Hi everyone and welcome to episode 431 of Conversation Street. I am your host, Michael, and that's my wife, who's also a host. What's your name, darling? Why are you being weird, Gemma? I don't know. Oh, right. I'm sad because it's the end of our holiday. It's Saturday and we're going home tomorrow and I've had a lovely time in Manchester and I don't want to go back to the realities of Southampton life. Oh, what the hell? And, and schoolwork and yeah, things like not, that. Looking to forward do. to seeing Abby and everything. But I could, I could quite comfortably stay here for, you know, two weeks again. Yeah, cool. Right, so we're talking about episodes broadcast in the UK between the 10th and the 14th of August, which is episodes 10,099 to 10,101. Yes, not 11,000, which is what I wrote the other day, when I'm going to again blame the heat for that. Why, why are you just so dismissive of my desire to stay here for longer? Wouldn't you like to stay here for longer? Or are, you, are you ready to... slagging off Southampton, so... I'm, I'm not. I'm just saying that I've had a really lovely time on holiday with you, my angel. And I would like it to continue indefinitely. But sadly, it can't. You know what? By the time this episode goes out, if we're not careful, we might even be back home because we've been having laptop problems again. And we're recording this on Saturday afternoon. And I'm hoping that this can get uploaded on, um, on Saturday evening. But... You know our laptop that's been causing us merry havoc for the last six months or so? It's now decided it doesn't want to charge up. And we've had this problem for the last two weeks. And I've been jiggling the cable. I've been giving it a good old Jeff jiggle. (laughs) And it's managed to get the charge up. But I was jiggling away for like 15 minutes last night. No juice at all. Oh, God. <laughs> so we've got like 60% charge on the battery left. We're not using it at the moment. But when I come to edit it together, I need to like edit it together, save it, upload it and everything before it hits 0%. And then hopefully we can do something about fixing it next week. However, if it is now Monday when you're listening to this, it sounds like I uh, my, my laptop uh, kicked the bucket before I was able to do it. So uh, that would be sad, but we'll have to see, won't we? Anyway... Um, what are we talking about today? Coronation Street, Manchester. Oh yeah, the, the reason why we didn't record this on Friday night is because we came back from Blackpool last night and we so thought we'd be a little bit late and it was knackered really late. To, do the, uh, to do the podcast and I think we were right, but you'll be able to look forward to that next week because we're going to be putting a video up of Blackpool and some of the other final things that we're doing on our stay here. But I hope you're looking forward to that because I've been really, really pleased with all the, all the lovely comments that have come in about the other videos that we've been putting up so far. It has been a bit of a privilege really to be able to entertain people and bring them things that they couldn't experience themselves because of the restrictions that have been put upon all of us. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really happy that we we did this because I I thought I thought people would be interested and like it, but I didn't. I don't think I realised how much people would enjoy mm. it. So I'm really really happy that we got to do that. Me as well, <laughs> Gemma. Yeah. You got a quiz for me. I do. Quiz that you wrote two weeks ago. We've also got this. The book as well that you've you got the little badly. Pink booklet. I know. I, I, I go on, go on. Just put me out my misery. Was it? Was it five out of ten you last really week? Did maybe? so badly. Are you feeling cooler today? Um, let me wait until I've got my score. Until I can tell oh, you about my temperature, because I might need a crunch. Yeah. Okay. So this is things that happened in Cranish Street between the tenth and the fourteenth of August. Years ending in a five and a zero. And I sourced the information from Cranish Street. 
Caropedia. Speaking of Caropedia, by the way, you've only got till Friday if you haven't voted in their Ultimate Character Survey yet. This is what we've been banging on about for the last two months and doing those other videos for. Um, get in there quick and vote because they're closing the polls on Friday, like I said. And if you don't do it, then it's too late. Gemma still needs to vote because we've been through it to do the videos, haven't we? But you haven't actually registered your scores yet. No. So go on then. Sorry. What's your question one in the quiz? For £100. <laughs> Please. <laughs> All right. You probably will get this, maybe. 10th of August, 2005. Who buys a share in streetcars from Dev? Lloyd. Yay! That was about 15 years ago, girl. Right, next question's worth 150. 10th of August... Uh, £200, please. Uh, 2015. Which potential bride soon tires of Mary's enthusiastic advice? Oh, no, 2015. Yeah. This Golly. is quite interesting because Mary has been at people with the bridal folder... She has. She's been so many, and she's she's um, exasperated so many brides to be as well. I don't hasn't think anybody she? likes it. Um, you got married. Five, oh my gosh! It could be anybody. Um, well, it's going to be a bride, isn't it? It could be any. So I've narrowed bride. down the gender for you. Sally and Tim have been married longer than that, haven't they? Ah, uh, I'm going to go for Sally. I think yeah, I'm... you got it Is right. It? Yeah, oh. which is interesting. Because that must mean that their actual wedding anniversary is imminent. Coming up soon, yeah. Right? So, so are they going to remember that in the show and bring this up? Because that would be a perfect thing for them to argue about. Coronation Street has got no idea what the date is at the moment. And that's one of the things. Although I think they're doing a pretty good job post-COVID, it is winding me up more than a little bit that they're having three-day fortnights on the show. No idea what day of the week it is. No idea what date it is. They're, they're, they're stretching things out longer than it needs to be, I think. And I, I'd rather they just went back to three episodes being three days and, and maybe even imagine that things happen in between like they used to. It's just, I'm finding it very, very odd. Yeah, old, old Corey definitely really acknowledged that time passed when you weren't watching. It's, yeah. Whereas now, you would never believe that. No, it's just and a stream of continuous days, literally. Yeah. They say yesterday, yesterday, yesterday. And they don't have weekends. No. Uh, it's really interesting. I don't know how Coropedia does it, really. What do you, I guess they just use the date of transmission. Yeah. But, clearly, like when what, when are you going to say that Gary and Sarah got married or their wedding was supposed Gary to be? Gary and Maria. Sorry. Unless there's a massive twist on I Monday, it could still happen. I, I, I'm really thinking Gary doesn't know which one he's getting married to. Um... <laughs> Are you going to put the date for Friday or are you going to put the date for Monday? Because we had Friday the morning of the wedding and yeah. Monday is going to be the day of the wedding, surely. Yeah. So what date do you put down? We'll have to ask them, won't we? Maybe they'll tell us. So we've got two rights so far. 11th of August, 1965. Which two unassuming street ladies get blind drunk when they sample what they thought was tonic made by Charlie Moffat and Stan Ogden? Right, I'm going to say Minnie Coldwell. Yeah. And Emily Nugent. Yay! Yes! You're on a roll! You're on a roll! Okay, 11th of August 2000, a verdict is given in the trial of Jez Quigley, accused of murdering Tony Horrocks. What's the verdict? This is a trick question. Why? It's got to be not guilty. Is that your answer? Yeah. Yes. Because it goes off and gets beaten up by Jim McDonald afterwards. Well, it's not a trick question, just because you know the answer. Well, no, I know that, I know that he did it, though. 
I think. I know, but was, when has that ever been a reflection of the verdict? Very true. Okay, 12th of August 2005, which expectant mother gets a surprise when her prenatal scan reveals she's expecting twins? 2005. Uh, Sunita? Yes. Yes. Okay, 12th of August 2010, which character wins £4,000 at Barlow's Bookies by placing a fraudulent bet? Lewis Archer. Yes! Go, 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 go. 13th of August, 2010. Nick Tilsley dumps his girlfriend, unaware she's carrying their unborn child. Who is the girlfriend? Natasha Blakeman. Yeah. And I also, I've got to say something here. I'm, I've got a bit of a beam up on it with, with this because I think it was written as carrying his unborn child. It's not his child alone the woman carries. If anything, there's an argument to be made. It's her kid. It's theirs. They can share it. They can share it only through the grace of the woman allowing him to take part in some small manner, considering that all he did was give off the blueprint. Right. 14th of August. Off the soapbox. Yeah. We should just have a section called the soapbox where I just moan about something. People would love that. 14th of August, 2000. That's not good for my blood pressure. <laughs> 14th of August, 2015. Right, so this is your final question. You've got them all oh, right. I've got them all right. I've got them all right. This is only I five years ago. I don't know if going to get this. Lloyd and Andrea break up over Andrea selling Lloyd's rare records. Yes. But why did she do it? Oh. Did we even talk about this on the podcast? I'm not going to accept. Why did she sell his old records rare in 2015? Ones. Yeah. You're going to have to. She wanted the money. I said that I'm not going to accept that. What for? Oh, was this? She was pregnant and she wanted to do baby stuff. No. Oh, I got I'm sorry. Wrong. Okay, so it was sad. to give her daughter Jess money for rent. Oh, I completely forgot that Andrea had a daughter. I did as did well. Did we ever meet her? Oh, I don't even remember. I don't remember. Ah, oh, sad. Right. Nearly perfect. That's what I say about you when people ask me. What's your husband like? <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Are you ready? Yeah, I am ready. Are you ready? <laughs> don't look at the don't believe her. She's thumbing through this book <laughs> like she's not picked it up in a week. Oh, it's like that, is it? Okay. Who was roughed up by who? Hooli- oh, hang on. This is Coronation Street, the magazine. 150 questions and answers. A free thing that we got. Still going. Right. Who was roughed up by hooligans at the community centre? A date? Um, this is not my quiz. Uh, uh, Ina. No. I thought we had that one last Albert week. Albert Oh, I hope not. Ask me the next question. Who told Martin that Gail was pregnant? Oh, I don't know. We didn't have this at this. No, Who told Martin that Gail was pregnant? <laughs> yeah. Oh, this Ivy. Was very relevant. Re- re- relevant. At the time this was written. Kevin. Oh, where we go. Who gave Ivy away when she married Don? I don't blimmin' know. Brian. No, let me, I was going to say Brian. Well, why did you? <laughs> Don't get in there. Just let me. Uh, just let me no, wander in for a No, briefly. I'm not going to right, let you. Back. Right, who held Minnie Coldwell at gunpoint? Joe Donnelly. Yes. What was Dennis Tanner's stage name? I don't know. <laughs> what is that? I, 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 is my final question? answer is I don't know. Okay. <laughs> the yeah. answer is. This booklet's got harder as we've gone through it, I'll tell you. Ricky Dennis. 
What was the name of Minnie Coldwell's late husband? Uh, I don't know. Albert. That's an old man's name. <laughs> it's even better an old man's name than Albert. Go on. Armistead. <laughs> okay. Um, who lived with Curly in the corner shop flat? Shirley. Armitage. Yeah, I'm not even writing down what you've got right or wrong anymore. It's embarrassing for both of us. <laughs> got that one right, though. Okay. Who murdered Steve Tanner? Joe Donnelly. Yeah. Who saved Sheila Bertels from her suicide attempt? Oh, God. I think... Oh, I've got two people in my this. head. I've got two people. I'm going to say Jed Stone. No. But it's probably Dennis Tanner. It was Dennis Tanner. It's all right. Half a point. I think we... Okay. Let me redeem myself with that. Who did Peter Barlow marry? <laughs> okay. When was, was this published? There's only one answer. It was in the 90s. I don't know when. Um, his, his, his wife was called uh, Jessica something. Yeah. Jessica. She, didn't, she wasn't called Jessica something. What was this? Was it going to be then? Was Midgley? Yeah! How, what obscure piece of Corrie trivia that is. I get, get 10 points for that You get 10 answer. for that, definitely. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. That's I know that. All right, birthdays. <laughs> 15th of August, producer and executive producer, Bill Podmore. Oh, that's today. Happy birthday, Happy Bill. Happy birthday. 16th of August, director, director Alan Waring. This is all directors, apart from one person and producers. 18th of August, director Hugh Munro and director Jeremy Summers. And then on the 20th of August, we have Shirley Hewson, who plays Izzy Armstrong. Lovely. So, And who, who is not the same age as Izzy, is she? She, she is not the same age. Not as very many characters actually. are the same age. I know. I was quite surprised when I saw the other day the, the age difference between Shirley and Izzy. Looking good, right? <laughs> let's uh, let's get on and talk about this week's street talk then. Coronation Street, yeah, or let's talk whatever about... the program is that we talk podcast about every week for the past <laughs> you eight years. Different. No, let's okay. move on. <laughs> okay, it's time for street talk. We got three episodes to talk about as usual this week. And we are going to be covering four big storylines and a couple of tiddly little ones at the end there. I've just realised in between filming the end of, not filming, recording, the end of the last section and the beginning of this one, that I'm going to put my high score on the quiz this week to this energy drink that I'm drinking at the moment. Michael it's is called Energy. Energy drink. Original flavour. I was tired earlier and now I'm a bit buzzy. Michael's gone absolutely crackers. This is like the third one I've had on holiday. You might have you been watching our videos and seeing me speed doing the jigsaw, the time-lapse one. Well, you may think it was time-lapse, but actually that was all fueled <laughs> by energy, energy drink, which I've never had before, but it's been sitting around the house for like eight I, months or I so. I bought them off of Ocado and they were like really, really cheap. They were like a super flash deal and they were like, like sometimes, 80% off. Sometimes I have like Red Bulls in the car and everything when we're driving them back from places late and I think it's... I don't know whether it does any good or not, whether it's just a bit of a placebo, but this thing This is absolutely driven you mad, <laughs> really because you don't, you don't do drugs or drink or do anything Nothing bad. naughty. And this is like you on drugs, this is, because you all gone, you've gone mad. I know, and I've only drunk half a can of this. I don't know what I'm going to be like by the time we get to the last story. Anyway... We're going out for dinner tonight, and we were supposed to get an Uber, but I think you'd probably just carry me down <laughs> back, couldn't you? Okay. That'd be fine Hop with on, me. love. Let's go. <laughs> Storylines this week. We've got the Gary and Sarah and Maria story. I've got a couple of storyline possible titles here. Oh, I like here. that one. Will Gary Maria? Will Gary Maria? Maria. No, I don't okay. like that one. Do you prefer the second one? Malice and Winderland. Yeah. Which was the... Uh, Winderland was Emma's coin of a phrase, wasn't it, in yesterday's episode where she put Windass with Sutherland together. 
And I'm sure there's been some kind of malice involved in this story from, from all parties. Somewhat. So, so Mal- Malice and Winderland will like go that. in. Okay. Uh, we had a little bit more of the Yaz fighting story, although I don't think we saw any of Yasmin at all this week. Uh, Vanessa Messenger. It's just a bit of a... Stupid. Yeah, it's not a great one. The Gemma storyline. Chesney in the buff. And then uh, we had a serious case of the Ollie Wobbles. Although it wasn't too serious because half of it was about Steve waving his sausage around. Which okay. is how he got into this trouble in the first place. Yeah. And then if he kept his sausage in, in his trousers, then... Well... I don't have to worry we, about Ollie at the moment. We would all be in a different place, wouldn't we, if that was more of the case? But then, bizarrely, there was, there was like one scene of an Abbey story yesterday, wasn't there? Yeah. And then, I hope which this isn't a story right, with Mary, but she did have a scene in the factory with Sean, which was odd, and maybe need to be explained to um, listeners from across seas, but we'll get to that towards the end of Street Talk. So I just want to say, you're drinking your energy drink, but I'm also drinking a pretty What's good... in this? Taurine. What's that? I'm drinking... It makes you energised. Look, I'm drinking Manchester gin, mm. raspberry infused, with Franklin and Sons Ooh. tonic. Lovely, that's so Coronation double, Street themed. It's double themed, because it's Manchester gin and Franklin... Brilliant. And it's, it's lemon tonic. It's really, really nice. Right, Gemma. Do you, yeah. want, to do the, do you want to do the Madison Wonderland? I think I need to calm down. I just need to tell everybody that I thought this week was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There was a discussion on our Facebook group earlier this week. I don't know whether you saw it about whether the mood that you're in when you watch Coronation Street can really have an effect on how you enjoy the programme. Because if you're like a bit tired or in a bit of a rough mood, a good episode of Coronation Street can bring you out of it. But if it's just a bit of a so so one or sort of one, this makes you makes feel you worse, worse, doesn't it? And we've been so knackered when we've been watching this because we've been hot, we've been grumpy, we've been going around doing our stuff for the holiday and everything. We've we've not been in the best of moods when we've been sitting down to watch Corey, and yeah, it's bad. It's not been that great this week. I, I look, I know loads of people do not like the Gary and Maria stuff and and Sarah and Adam. I I don't mind that so much, but the Gemma stuff. I found this to be one of the worst things I've ever seen on television. But we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> right. Will Gary marry No, it's not called that. You want to call it Malice and Winterland. Malice and Winterland. Okay, right. Very funny. I like that. Yeah, also, who knew that their, their wedding was imminent? I didn't. I had no idea. We, we knew that they were going to get married, but this, is, this ties into what I was saying earlier about Coronation Street having no idea what the date was. Because, no. I mean, we, we didn't know what date they're going to officially have as... Gary and Maria's wedding, but even if I mean, obviously they probably would have set it back, you know, before COVID and everything, so it would have made sense anyway. But were they talking last week as if the wedding was happening? No, two they were... days away or two weeks away this or whatever. We wanna... This is the trouble about Coronation Street now. The cast is so big, and they've done so many of these life moments before, and so they 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 feel like it. It feels as though. It's like, it is, and it is, like, the 100th wedding or whatever mm. that's been on the show. But it shouldn't feel like that for the characters, and it does. It feels a bit going through the motions. It and does. It's it just... feels like it's our turn to get married now, so we're just going to get married. Here's my yeah. dress. Here we go. They may well to... have mentioned it, but I, I honestly, literally before Monday, I think, had no idea that we'd be seeing the wedding coming up very, very soon. Also, it used to be that I'd get excited about what what's the bride going to look like, and I'd actually care about weddings. And now I feel as though... 
that last bit of joy has been knocked out of me by Coronation Street. Well, it's not about the wedding, is it? It's no. about what drama's going on behind the scenes of the wedding. And I'm, I, will, I also have to add that I did find this interesting, and I like this. I'm just complaining that I just think the magic of weddings is lost because nobody cares about the characters and their relationships. And, and it, I will give this a pass because the, the, the story isn't that Gary and... Um, He's getting married. <laughs> exactly. Exactly that. <laughs> the story isn't about their wedding. It's about it's about causing conflict between the characters in the story using a wedding to do that. Yeah, it seems like we want to cause conflict between these characters. How shall we achieve that? Let's or let's this. have them get married. Yeah, because that always than, ruins a relationship. Rather than let's get them get married and what can the what can the background drama be, which is maybe how it has been in the past. And yeah. then before that it was Let's have them get married because this is a lovely couple who we've seen develop and flourish over the course of many months and years. It used to be a big deal. And I I do wonder if we can ever get back to that because I really hate how disposable weddings are on Coronation Street. I know, it's a total moan fest. Although I would say if, say, you know, six, 12 months time, they want to get Evelyn and Arthur up the aisle, I think I could quite, you know, sit back and enjoy that for what it is. But it all depends on what goes on around it, doesn't it? I don't want, you know, Tyrone to be... You know, his nose to have dropped off or something, and that's the big Might drama do. of the day. Or, or Fizz's. So, you know what's going to happen if, if Eva, Evelyn and Arthur get married? He'll drop dead, won't he? No, Cerberus will die or something. Yeah. Let's just have nice, right. nice weddings, please. Sorry. Sorry. This is a moan fest. We haven't even said a single thing that's happened this week on the show. Please get ready for more of this because I am in a furious mood with how bad some and of this And it isn't was. even that hot today. It isn't even that hot. Also, I'm going to say this as well, this is nobody's fault in particular, but people's faces are very, very shiny on Coronation Street at the moment. I didn't notice that. They, I know that they can't, that the makeup people are providing them with stuff and then they're sort of helping them remotely and everything. And it has been really hot here. But I'm kind of glad in a way because I always worry about things when somebody gets you to do someone else's job and you do a really good, you do it really well. That you're you're a mug because all you're doing is proving that that person doesn't need a job. Mm. If Coronation Street thinks they can save money by getting everyone to do their own makeup and hair, they'll get rid of all the makeup mm. and hair people. But I'm telling you, they need them. They need them. Maria's Maria's shiny face on Friday, and also her doing meticulously rolling her dry hair up into rollers, which would have no effect whatsoever <laughs> on whether her hair was curly or not, was enough to make me realise that. As soon as it, the restrictions are lifted, get those... It get definitely those. was hot and summery and sweaty when this was being filmed, though, because I remember Andy Wyman posted something on his Instagram of, look, I have to wear, dress up as Buzz of the Bee for work today, and everyone was feeling really sorry for him because of how hot it was. Right. For that little throwaway scene. Yeah, that was Monday's really important, episode. wasn't it? So, Andy, you've you, you got to do it. But this, this scene just wouldn't work without you in a Buzz of the Bee costume. He didn't even turn up at the flipping stag do. There wasn't a stag do, <laughs> Look, <laughs> shall I tell you what happened? Everybody? Yes, right, please, on, what on happened, Monday, pray tell. Bernie asks Adam about whether Sarah has given him the watch. Remember the watch thing? He <laughs> was still not done with the watch thing. Right, Bernie asks Adam whether Sarah has given him the watch yet. She thinks that Sarah has bought it for him to replace the broken one that yeah. isn't broken anymore. But she told him last week the, the flannel that she made up about how it was a joke present for David and he didn't want it, so she gave it to a charity shop. So Adam tells her this. But then, she, for some reason, it, she, she manages to casually bring up in conversation 
And what's the name of the actress again? Jane, Jane Hazelgrove. Hazelgrove. She... It, I love Jane Hazelgrove. She, she always likes so... everything that we put on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. That's all you need, isn't it? For me to praise you as an actress. That's not why I'm praising her. Oh. She's so good at... She's like Columbo level, adding, oh, and by the way, <laughs> to things. She's like, by the way, you know, isn't it interesting that there was this inscription... And actually, I think the way this was written was a bit clumsy, but she manages to pull it off. And some people this week do not do this, just to say. So she says, oh, yeah, the inscri- inscription on it, what was the name of that? Rick, Rack, Rook, whatever, I can't remember. It was The Rock. <laughs> it was The Rock's <laughs> one, so I thought you'd get more money for that, for that reason. <laughs> Can you tell the time? What the rock is cooking? That almost works. Drink your drink. Drink your drink. I don't think I should have any more of this. I know, I think I might just take it away from you. (laughs) Look, have some water. Look how lovely this is. Okay. Right. Have a bottle, thank you. (laughs) Oh my god, shut up. Okay. (laughs) You are really high. What is in it? It's like 0.3% taurine. Is that high or low? (laughs) Oh, I'm staying quiet. You can see what happened. (laughs) Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> oh, <my gosh. laughs> oh no! Right, she re- she says the inscription, and he is very very interested because now he realizes what this watch is. So he bribes her with a tenner and asks her where this watch was found, and she says it was in Greg Woods, and that is also something that Gary wants to know about <laughs> as well. By the way, so he knows that Gary knows this watch is out and about and he knows it's important it's important because it's obviously well i mean it seems obvious now well it's obvious in coronation street land that if somebody's left their watch in the woods they're dead whereas in normal (laughs) life you would be okay to lose property without people sending out search parties for you or accusing accusing people of murder Is is it any coincidence we've never seen a lost and found on Coronation Street? <laughs> Although they have one in they the Cavalry. Do yeah. you think that that's just full of dead people's belongings that yeah. they've run over? Maybe, maybe. They, whenever they hit somebody and run them over in their cars, they're like, oh, another one for the lost property <laughs> bin. Better pop that in there. Right, so Gar- Craig brings around Sarah's bag because she left it in that, the ambulance. Um, I think that Archie Shuttleworth probably had a whole box full of old watches. <laughs> Down at the funeral directors. He always knew what the time was. When anyone asked him, he was like, half past two, I'm not wrong. And they're like, where did you get those from? He's like, just found them. (laughs) In coffins. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so, Craig brings around Sarah's bag. She left it in the ambulance when she jumped in there when Gary got run over. And she opens it and she's got the watch still. Good. I'm glad the watch isn't lost because I really like it being in the show. Well, it's not anymore, Gemma. Right. Well, why didn't she just take it to a charity shop like she said she would? Anyway, while Sarah's distracted at the photocopier, Adam sees her bag and then I think he looks in there because when she comes back, he confronts her about it. I don't think we see him delving around in her purse, but when she comes back, he's there holding it, he's dangling it. Do you think they have multiple watches or do you think that they just dunk it in hand sanitizer between... Because if somebody touches it, obviously, then the other person can't touch it. I think it. it probably just got a bit of a wipe. Gunmetal watches then go on trees. That's true. If you notice, a lot of the times if characters pass things to other characters, they'll either put it on the table and then someone will pick it up so it's clearly not the same object or it's been 
sanitised or they'll hand it out of the screen. Yeah, yeah, they do. And then the other character will pull it out of the they screen. They pass the other it side. to the camera, don't they? Yeah, and then, then the other person like, takes whoop. it from the camera. It's quite good. It's, it's very cleverly done. Yeah. All, all of this, I'm not really noticing at all the, the lack of, the, I mean, the social distancing. I think it's being filmed and framed. They've done as good as they could have done. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not particularly missing well. the hugs and everything. This, no, I don't and care I'm, I'm still that. half thinking, are they mentioning it too much? Because that's something no, that, on yesterday's so. episode, like, oh, I wish I could hug you. But as no. I say, it's it's what we talk about at the moment. Well, we we mention it so much in this podcast. Mm. Right on Wednesday, Adam says, "Why have you been keeping secrets?" And she says, "I'm not going to tell you." And he's like, "I'm not going to leave." So then she tells him about Bernie and the watch, and then he badges her a bit more. And then she finally says that Gary did kill Rick, but he did it in self-defence. And also something to do with defending me and my family and all this stuff. And then he says, why are you covering for him? Why won't you just go to the police? Why are you keeping his secrets for him? And are you still in love with him? And she replies, we've been through a lot together. And he takes this as her saying, yeah, I still really love him and leaves in a huff. I've really forgotten what happened and why she married Adam, have you? They just got caught up in the moment during the Winter Wonderland shootout. That's right, yeah. So romantic. Okay. Yeah, but why did Gary and Sarah split up? Because he was a loan shark. I've forgotten now. Um, I don't remember. No, it's been no, it's been an ordeal for all of us, isn't it? <laughs> Sarah puts the watch in the bin, and I was mad about this as well because she put it into a leaf bin, and it's clearly not a biological waste. It is wasn't it? a leaf bin, was the, it? Yes, the man was sweeping leaves up, and she said, "Can I, I, thought I put he had this little litter picker out?" He was putting leaves in it, uh. and she said, "Can I put this in there?" And he said, "Yeah, fine." And it was a paper bag, but I had a watch in it. <laughs> Sarah, that's not going to biodegrade, is it? I can't make compost out of gunmetal watches. <laughs> even if they've got engravings on them the way that this watch has been passed round and round that's probably going to turn up you know in somebody's garden isn't it it's no, just going to get blown in the breeze right, no, in, right to Gary on his wedding day the man's going to like take it out of the out of the thing wear it around walk up to someone's house drop it on the floor and then someone else is going to discover the secret Maybe Sharon will find it in the bin oh well, yeah it's got to be somebody related to the story hasn't there oh, not or, or just Laura like, yeah oh. I found this in the bin. <laughs> you know, I got. I gave him this. What's he done with it? He must be dead. <laughs> he must be dead. <laughs> it's his what? It's his favourite thing I ever got him. He'd never take this off. I know that for a fact. Because when I gave it to him, he went, Thank you so much. I will never take it off my wrist. <laughs> ever. Right. So Sarah goes to the office, and, and this is the lawyer's office and says i love you adam i will do anything to get you back but you can't have the watch because i threw it in the bin i will do <laughs> anything for you you can't have the watch because i checked it in the bin it's a chucked it in the bin <laughs> chucked it in the bin right like, you, like, do you want more of your drink no. you? okay am i right over water okay um isis get out that's terrible singing <laughs> Okay. Um, oh, somebody needs to subscribe to us on YouTube. Thank you. I. No, you don't have to vocalise all Jay your thoughts Bizzle. or internal monologue, okay? Yeah. Oh, right. So he orders that. It looks very dire for Sarah and Adam. 
Nobody's surprised by this, are they? No. Sarah goes home in tears and tells David that she's messed up and her and Adam are finished. And David says, just give Adam time. And presumably also, I don't know why you think I care about this. David, until Friday, has been so on the sidelines of this. It's always been bizarre, considering it's been a kind of a plat story in a way. He's just been there on his sofa, hasn't he? Just watching the drama unfold and glad that it's happening to someone else playing and not him for a change. Games with Audrey. Oh yeah, he's playing his shooting game with Audrey and getting beaten by Audrey, wasn't Brilliant. he? Brilliant. Funny. Um, Adam sees Gary, who says he's cancelled the stag and hen dudes as they can't really do them. I don't know why you'd wait till now to cancel them. But they, he did. Adam has a go at him and says... I wanted Sarah to know who you were. Murderer. And now she does, and he's, she still seems to want to protect you, and I don't know why, but you welcome to each other. So I'll see you later. I'm sure we had this scene again, previous. This feels like... Well, maybe. Friday. He's, this, he seems to have completely cut ties with Sarah at this point, hasn't he? He's like, you can have her. He obviously knows that he's I think I'd be not... sick of it. It's like, a look... Do you, don't you think Adam seems like the sort of person who has always avoided relationships because he thinks girls have got too much drama? Yeah. Even though he causes half the drama. He doesn't want to get tied down. Well, yeah. And, th- and then here's Sarah going, oh, my boy, my ex-boyfriend's murdered someone, but I think I still like him and owe him because he only murdered him for me, but really he was being hit by a rock. And like, <laughs> look, this is too much drama for me. Yeah. But, you know, like I said... People who say girls are too much drama usually cause just as much drama themselves. And Adam is a massive drama whore, isn't he? <laughs> right. So you're only going to get married to somebody for this for a plot. Yeah. Then it's your own fault. It is if, your own fault. If the plot backfires. Yeah, and you end up looking for a bin for yeah. a watch. There are many reasons why one should get married: for for love, for security, for money. Sometimes podcasting, <laughs> but, but never for a plot. Never for a plot. Let's this be a lesson to all of you. We'll learn that now. People. Right. On Friday, miserable Gary is getting married and he goes to the florist for his buttonholes. This is one thing I really don't like in scripting sometimes, in Coronation Street, when people forget the names of things. He was literally going to the, the florist, to Tracy's, to get some buttonholes. And he's like, oh yeah, I've come to get the, uh, oh, what's it called? Oh, you know, those little flowers that go in your lapel. It's like literally, that is his one job. Sarah probably, uh, sorry, Maria probably just told him, go and get the buttonholes. He wouldn't have forgotten the name of the thing he's going to the shop for, oh, surely. Mary, surely. Can, I, can I have those things that you put in the hole of your buttons? I forgot what they're called. Yeah, and who's his best man going to be? Oh, have you got, oh, what's that thing that you call? Oh, something that you put on your wife's finger. Oh, I don't, you know? <laughs> oh, time for us to cut the, oh, you know. What's it called? Oh, that thing that you eat. And, yeah, but and, I do oh. things like that. No, it, they do it too I've much got a on Coronation Street, I think. If I told you... Oh, Go and Got get my, your finger in my face. If I told you, go down the shops and buy me a packet of... Give me some cow juice. What's it called? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That white stuff. <laughs> if I said go and get some milk, you wouldn't go to the shops and say <laughs> yeah, that, would you? Or oh, what's it called? What's That's it called? What's it called? I don't know move, if buttonholes aren't like, you know, every day, <laughs> everyday thing. But Sorry, that's just... No, look out for it. It happens in Coronation Street. People forgetting the things that they. I think it's because they're trying to make him seem more casual, or like men don't care about buttonholes. He's got so much else on his mind at the moment. Yeah, it's a bit of a clumsy device. Adam comes over and goads him. Goes, "Oh, Sarah's a free agent. You want to you marry her instead of Maria? Um, You both love your secrets. Blah blah blah." Um, Maria is getting getting ready in her flat, sitting opposite a massive mirror, doing her hair. On 
the two, world's two tiniest mirrors I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, Emma's there. Written on about tendrils. Saying she called them tensils. And Carla's in the corner skulking like a spider in black. Don't be offended, Maria. She wears black to everything. It's not just the fact your wedding's doomed, <laughs> but it might have something to do with it. Um, she, Carla Carla's leaves. secretly carrying a torch for Gary as well. Oh, who isn't? Um, Gary, Gary comes home. She's going to be so disappointed when she finds out that Gary's the one that dropped the fa- her factory roof on Rana's head. <laughs> Gary comes home with the, the whatever they're called that goes in your buttonhole. <laughs> <laughs> and Emma toasts them and says that she's invented their shipping name, which is Winderland. I don't think married couples have shipping names, do they? Because they're in a relationship and usually they pick one surname to go together. Maybe they should do that. Maybe if they get married and I'm, you know, 50-50 on whether they will, maybe that's what they'll do. Just call Start it Winderland. What would it be if she actually used her current surname? Win- Winder. Windor. Win- Con- Condas. Yeah. Winderland Condas, sounds better, yeah. um, David arrives in Maria's flat with a gift from Audrey. She can't come. She doesn't have stomach aches. She just can't be bothered. I can't remember. It said in the synopsis that she had a bug, which is the excuse they usually do. But I thought that David said she was, she was sheltering or shielding. Well, she can't from... come because it's a wedding and it's COVID and you're not even allowed them. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I'm just going with what the synopsis said. No, I know. That's why I mentioned She can't it. come. And Maria was saying... Oh, I wasn't so expecting weird. her to come, to be honest. Yeah. Were you? No. This is the only time they've ever had a wedding where we don't need a litany of excuses as to why people aren't coming, yet we still have to sit through them. We haven't had any reason. mention of Erin uh, Kirk's mum and dad either, have we? I can't come because we're in Ireland and in, and we fell over a brick. Mm, where's Where's Anna? She, Anna, just down come. the road? She's not living that far away, is she? I can't come because I had some fish and I got a scale stuck in my throat. Eddie? Um, I set fire to, to my is, hair. Is Germany on the two-week quarantine list at the moment? I don't know. Uh, yeah. How long do you have to stay in quarantine for in Coronation Street if you've come back from one of these foreign countries? Because if you three have three, years. three days in a fortnight, <laughs> is it just three days or do you have to go into quarantine for, you know, a three month. months? I don't know. Right. <laughs> Sorry, we're distracted again. I know. Maria is stressing because she, she can't get a hold of Kirk and he's supposed to be the best man. But why is she worrying about the best man when she doesn't need one? She needs a best lady. What's she moaning about? Oh, Carla. You shouldn't be worried about... You shouldn't be worried about this stuff if you're the bride. It's everyone else's job. The bride's job is to stress for, like, the year before the wedding. And on the wedding day... Everyone else's problem but yours. Well, there isn't anyone else there to have a problem for, is there? There's only, there's only Carla and Emma, and even Carla buggers off. What about you? Gary, Michael? Gary is supposed to be also co-stressy here. He's got enough on his plate with those buttonholes. Uh, and the murder. <laughs> yeah, covering up for a murder, what he'd done over a year ago. <laughs> it's like, I thought they'd forgotten about this. God damn it. I want Gary and Jeff to get their heads together and say, right, we're both in a bit of trouble here. I'll marry I'll murder Marry Elaine. I'll murder Elaine. He's married Marry, murder and <laughs> If I murder Elaine, then who can you coercively control for me? Adam, get him off my case. <laughs> and then and then Jeff will start negging Adam. Adam, your hair's too long. You'd look handsome if your hair wasn't so terrible. <laughs> You've got such a stupid accent, Adam. <laughs> Nobody can understand you. What? What did you say? What? What? Murder? I don't know what that means. <laughs> Gary murdered someone. What? 
Okay, right. We're gonna pay attention now, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Maria's stressing. She can't get hold of Kirk. She needs the best man. Pronto. Does she say what's this? She needs. Why does she need the best man? No, she says they're, they're looking. There's the somebody for help. Girl? I don't know. I don't. This is, is she? Is Maria? Is Maria? Is that her best man? She not have a bridesmaid. I, maybe it's not a best man. I don't know. But she was basically reason, moaning, and then she's missing. Some, David or just says a something. Oh yeah, I think it's a witness. Why don't you get Emma or Carla to do it? And then she says, "Well, I can't pick one of the other over the other because they'll get mad." And then David says, well, Carla won't care. She's basically a bloke, which really annoyed me because this is the cool girl trope all over again about how a woman is only worthy or interesting if she acts like a man, in inverted commas, a K.A. to say she doesn't care about things or have emotions, which isn't true because men do have emotions. They just generally tend to um, emote them through anger <laughs> on Coronation Street. Yeah, everybody's angry with each other. Are you right? gone sleepy now? No, it's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll top up. When I get to the next story. Um, right, so she says David's going to be the witness then. I think that was quite cool because the David and relation, David and Maria relationship well, she is, said, is nice. And it's always family. Been, it is. And they've always had a very... They really are close brother, together. Brother, sister, friends relationship. This, Please don't ever no, even think Listen, about putting them don't together. Don't put it into the universe. But this came about really because of Sarah's absence in the show for such a long time. And David kind of sparked off Maria like they were brother and sister. Yeah, in they the worked salon. together, didn't they? In yeah, the salon, in the yeah. salon. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> Audrey was in charge and she's like their grandma. Yeah. Even though she's not Maria's grandma. No. No. And, that, and that's a fact. You can write that down if you want. Um, Gary visits Sarah. Oh, dear. What, what have you been telling he, Adam? He goes around her house, doesn't she? Yeah, so she's there them. alone. He's in his suit. He's saying to her, what have you been telling Adam? Does he know that I killed Rick? And she's like, oh. We had to watch this scene like three times, didn't we? Because we still couldn't really tell. She, Did she admit that Adam knows that Gary killed Rick? I think she sort of does, but it wasn't very, the script wasn't very clear. But her performance was amazing in this scene. I love Tina. Tina O'Brien did such a fantastic job of, of playing it. But unfortunately, the script was a bit obscure because she he says did you tell him and she shakes her head she kind but of she looks shakes guilty, her head like she? i'm shaking my head at myself that i've told him yeah without telling him and then she says later on i'm fed up with all these secrets these two lies or something yeah having to cover up for a murder and a and a, and a missing watch <laughs> well is she's talking about I can't remember what she's talking about. <laughs> but she basically, she basically makes it seem as though she has confirmed that she told Adam, but we, she never actually says, yeah, I told him, which is a bit frustrating. I'll probably use that next week. I don't know if they're going to use this in the plot or if they just didn't write the script very well. Um, all these secrets are driving me nuts. One minute you say you love me, the next minute you say I'm killing you, whatever. And this is the point at which we hear the door close and... David walks in and says... Ox. <laughs> wow. It's like Jack B. Shepherd was in the room. Wrong. <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> yeah, so that was an interesting thing and we are left wondering, was him? Was that him shutting the door after he'd already come in? Or was that him coming in the door? Well, we didn't hear him How long has he door. been there? Exactly. How long has he been listening to this? Did he only hear the confession of love or the, the sort of the drama, the, the romance, the... 
whatever's going on between Gary and Sarah, because I don't even think they know what's going on. Mm. Um, Or did he hear the conversation about Adam knowing what Gary did? Because still still the secret exists that he knows (laughs) Sarah and Kylie and he killed Callum and disposed of the body together. And they're the only people that should know this. But ga- gradually, more and more people are being told, and I don't think David really knows much of this that's mm. happening. So the way so I, what does he know that I, they know? I think we were supposed to think at the end of the episode that Gary, that David has just heard Gary saying that he loves Sarah, or Sarah yeah, saying that Gary loves her, right. and he's saying that's awkward. Yeah. But I've got a feeling that they're trying to, you know, pull the wool over eyes a little bit, and all that David is really saying is awkward. It's like I've just come home, and this guy that's supposed to be getting married to Maria is here having with, a Barney having a Barney with his ex-girlfriend this is all a bit awkward oh, isn't okay. it oh okay so you think it's even less than what I think well yeah I, I, they could very well I'm not saying they definitely will on Monday say uh, uh, Sarah's saying what did you hear David and he's like oh, I didn't hear anything but it just I think it's a bit weird that you're here aren't you yeah but okay. very easily it could well be that he's heard about everything. this, yeah, everything, or at least the confession of... He, he hasn't heard about the killing yet, I don't oh, think. Oh, right. I, I don't think it's that. I think if he's heard anything, it was just that last bit where David is... Uh, Sarah Lewis is clearly conflicted about her feelings about Gary. And, of course, it's awkward for David because we know he's such a strong, upstanding, moral person that he now won't be able to, in all good conscience, witness the wedding between <laughs> Gary and Maria. Well, I mean, he's, he's out, had a long-standing grudge with Gary, hasn't he? He hates him. Well, he, he hated him more in the past. No, I mean, this was years and no years back. Now, this, is, this was when Gary originally came in the show. He does have a lot of time for Maria. He's good mates with Maria, and I don't think, in all good conscience, I know we're talking about David here, but I don't think he could let his mate Maria marry somebody... Who is Maria? Well, no, he didn't know that. Who he knows loves his sister or loves someone else or isn't, isn't into her. So he could yeah. go running off back to Maria. I don't think David would, but it is really odd to me that nobody has ever spoken to Maria and Gary about their relationship or why they're getting married or what they think of each other. And they never talk about each other to anybody else. Why did they get engaged? Was it just when she got pregnant earlier in the year? And then she thought, well... Well, That's a good idea. He's rich. I mean, it kind of makes the, the relationship actually does make sense in a way, in that they're both desperately trying to cling to something that they feel is slipping out of their grasp. So Gary wanted a normal life because he could feel it spiraling out of control with all of his loan sharking stuff, and really Maria wanted a offered, car and a flat. Offered him this, and also a child, but he's already got a couple, so I don't know why he was <laughs> burning for another one. Uh, I think, and she's already got a kid as well, so, but but she just wanted somebody to look after her because she's had bad luck with men. Mm. I mean, it's continuing. <laughs> Does that tell you if she'd have gone with Tyrone, first time he proposed to her at Blackpool Tower, she'd have had none of this. But it's like they both desperately want something to exist that doesn't. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think, I don't know whether David is going to do anything because he's, like I said earlier, he's been quite absent from this story he's been on the sidelines and it would seem odd for him to come in at the last moment and then be the one that turns the tables and everything and goes no this wedding can't take place especially with Adam skulking around I just wonder it is it it does make sense though because he's the perfect person for this job who isn't Adam because nobody's gonna listen to Adam anymore 
everyone's going to do what they want to do regardless of what Adam thinks. Mm. We've established this already. Whereas David is, is a good character to to derail this because... He is an he, agent of chaos. He is an agent of chaos, but he hates Gary, so he's got a good reason to split him up from Maria anyway. Like you said, he likes Maria. And also, would you really want the guy who seems to be after your sister to get to go out with somebody, you know what I mean? I think mm. because of his relationship with Sarah as well. Yeah. It makes sense to have him. And also, that was his house. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Does, um, is, is there any reason at the moment for Adam to go and try and stop the wedding? Well, this is what I just said. Who's going to listen to Adam? But, but, but why would, would, would he want to? I think... Apart from just to ruin the day of somebody who he knows is a murderer. Yeah, and, I think he hates his... Gary enough to try and ruin it. Also, I mean, he tried to... He, he had a thing for Maria and he tried to tell her that she, he was a loan shark and she didn't listen. Mm. But I think at this point, if seems... you were Adam, you'd just be like, just bloody get on with it then. Well, I think he does I was... seem to have washed his hands of the whole thing. Yeah, Maybe I don't he's... blame him. When he said on... When was it? Wednesday or Thursday? Oh, Sarah, I don't, don't want anything to do with you anymore. It felt like it was just, oh, yeah, just... Calm down, you'll be fine the next day. But he seems to have clung on to that, doesn't he? And he literally couldn't care less anymore. The foundations of this marriage were so feeble. Yeah. Takes one little one little murder cover up, and he's like, "I know people have you, Jimmy." Yeah, people, yeah. Relationships have been built on less than Coronation Street before, so he's been a diva. So, I mean, it'd be quite interesting for him to go along and watch. He's probably, he's, he's probably not allowed, is he? No, they, yeah, that's why I think the big deal was being made about who's going to be the witness because you're only allowed a certain number of people. Yeah, although you can now have receptions with 30 people or more yeah. as of today. But what happens if, if the morning of your wedding is before those lockdown rules <laughs> yeah. and, the, and the actual wedding is after the lockdown rules? What are you going to do then? Who knows? Explain that, Boris Johnson. So, David, I think Sarah needs to tell David with... Gary knows about Callum and Ad- I think she needs to be honest with him now really because I can see wh- whatever happens I can see Gary being the first to leave the room on Monday and then David being there left alone with Sarah this needs to be the point where she tells him everything she needs who? David Sarah needs to tell David everything because she I, I no, think no she can't tell him about Gary because that's the whole point she now is stuck herself in a situation where she's keeping somebody's secret as a who is a murderer and if she if she tells David it's as good as not keeping the secret in the first place and all the things that she's done she's not a very good secret keeper she's not a very good liar but but she's basically wrecked her marriage over this now hasn't she so then why would she tell David because that would be the same as just as she could have just said this at the beginning and kept kept her marriage it's hard because if I was in a stitch if I was in a little bit of a pickle like Sarah is (laughs) I'd want David on my side me too he always comes up smelling the roses apart from that time he went to prison (laughs) he's like he's cunning he's wily he he could, he could probably come up with a plan to know, get you out of any situation, could David? It does depend on whether he cares. Because he could get to a bit where he's like, you've done this to yourself, I'll wash my hands of you, I'm going to go play. He likes to act like he doesn't care, but I think if, if a family member really down. needed him, I think, you know, plat loyalty would, would get him to, you know, do something about it. Okay. It's, so what, what's, what's your prediction for... For the wedding. Oh, what? God, I don't know. what I mean... Right, number one. By the end of Monday's episode, will Gary and Maria be married? Do you, 
I'm starting, I'm getting to this, the point at which I don't even think that they're going to leave their house to go to get to the wedding ceremony. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I don't know where, I can't remember where they said the wedding's supposed to take place. It's going to take place in the bit above the police station. It will take place in Rick's Hotel. Yeah. Reckon. That's probably the, it will. the only place where it can take place or the community centre. Yeah. Um, I don't, honestly don't think that this is going to progress any further now. But I wouldn't. Uh, again, I just don't know. We could, we could have. I don't know who's going to officiate. Well, Billy. Could. And the thing is, the thing about this, right? Because of COVID, Gary and Maria cannot get close to each other because the actors are have to socially distance. That's true. That's so true. You can't make, stand at the end of the. Uh... It wouldn't make sense. It it would make sense that the officiant is like, stay away from me, play carriers. So you are two metres away from me, but you don't then have to space the bride and groom out. Do you think the officials like, I assume you have not been physical with one another. You may now form a a bubble with your bride. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then Mikey and uh, Samuel are like, nah. No, we're not going to move in with each other. Um, So... So, I, so I, what I, do you I, think? No, I think this wedding maybe won't happen. I was wondering whether Adam's going to phone the police as well. Like... Is it, Why does he care now? He's he knows that Gary has murdered somebody, doesn't he? The thing Why is, not I tell you what the problem just is. Just reporting to the police is mortal enemy. The problem is he doesn't have the watch. If he had the watch, he would have evidence, and I think that's probably why Sarah got rid of it. Without um, the, without the watch, all you've got is a crazed Scotsman with wild hair appearing at the station, going, "There's been a murder." <laughs> Yeah. And what can they do? Investigate it. They'll go to see Sarah and she'll be like, yeah, um, yeah, well, what happened was, was I thought that there was a murder <laughs> and then I looked and it wasn't and then um, I was phoning the police and then I just forgot that I'd done it. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Well, he at least needs to go and tell Imran, his, his, his buddy, doesn't he? What's he going to tell Imran? Well, he should. He can. He can tell him. He's been telling. Yeah, but no, but no, yeah, but yeah, but why? Because Imran wants to know why. I'm think. not being hard. I'm just asking you why. He didn't like Gary either. He's trying to still because he knows that Gary is tangentially related to the roof collapse that killed his sister, doesn't he? Yeah, I've still. So he he might be like, well, he killed Rick Nealon. He well, definitely, that's, definitely that's killed evidence that he killed my sister. Yeah. I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. I've, honestly, this was the most, probably the most interesting and easy to watch. I found this quite interesting, this I story, compared to okay. everything else. I, I don't fine. mind it. I have I no did, problems with it, like I, I did I find that, yet again, this watch is being used as just coincidence after coincidence. Bernie happening to pass Adam in the street and mentioning it, and then Adam happening to, oh no, Craig happening to deliver the watch back to Sarah, her happening to put it in the bag, and then Adam happening to be left in the room with the bag, and the watch happens to be in there. It's all a bit too, bit too convenient, isn't it? And I'm, I'm sure that a lot mind. of it is to do with rewrites that have had to take place. I don't but it's it. like, oh. I just think it's, it gets to a stage where it's just kind contrived. of yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, I don't know. I think that there's still there's still the chance that this watch is going to be found. Maybe it, they'll go to the dump and it, maybe he, he and Jeff will be... Uh, no, Jeff, Jeff's thrown away the camera, hasn't he? And so Alia's going to be... At, yeah, Alia and... Um, I know what's going to happen. ...can go down the dump together and, and look for their thrown away evidence. 
Yeah, and and then they'll be opposite ends of like the the little hut where they keep all the stuff. And then Alia will pick up the watch and go, "What's this?" And Gary will pick up the <laughs> the camera and go, "What's that?" And then yeah. their eyes will meet across. <gasps> <laughs> maybe maybe that's what's going to happen. The way things have been, the way things have happened in the show this week, I would not be surprised if this is in store for us. Well, you know, they use the uh, the car park outside of Media City for many a thing. So why not, why not just dump a load of rubbish there and have that happen? Maybe. Why not? Okay, so let's move on to the next story. I'm just gonna. Have a little swig oh on my, my drink to, um, to to charge yeah. myself. Mm-hmm. Ooh! Okay. So the Yasmin and Jeff story, everyone. Oh, Ali is mad on Monday because she had a go at Jeff last week and nearly whacked him with her broom. And she's like, she keeps saying, I shouldn't have done that. I know I need to stay, but like stay away from him. She totally haggards it. And she's like, I need to stay away. It's not good for me getting on my getting on my knickers and twist about him. He's getting on my tits. Yep. And I need to just stay away from him, including Imran and Toy, who are in the room with me at the moment, listening to me <laughs> minging on. I'm going to sell my share of speed dial. Ooh. What the heck in heck? Sally has a confrontation with Jeff across the street outside, and he's like, if you keep billing Tim's heads with lies, he's going to choose his dad over me any day of the week. Ooh. And he Je- do- Jeff is slowly becoming more ho- openly hostile to, to Sally. Like, he started off just sort of glaring at her, and now it's just, it's full-on... Slanging matches in the street. Just shouting at her. And this is why he gets overheard. And this is the trouble also. He seem, seems to only care that Tim doesn't find out. Everyone else, he doesn't care if they hear him. Well, he cared when Faye found out at the end of the yeah, day, Yeah, that's right. He? Yeah, but she's... Yeah, okay. I'm finding that a few too many think Jeff's not being clever enough with this, and quite often there's been scenes over the last few months where somebody has walked in on Jeff having a go at somebody. So, for example, Kathy overheard Jeff having a go at Yasmin, didn't she, months ago. Um, Tim walked in just recently on Jeff having a go on Sally this week. Faye walked... Having a go on Sally. Having a go at Sally. (laughs) Faye this week walked in on Jeff having a go at Sally as well it just feels a little bit too much we've seen this before yeah I know can you find some other reason why somebody might uh, suspect him rather than they just happen to be walking in the room when he's showing his true colours but anyway it's not his fault the downstairs area of the Metcalf's house has no doors exactly they can't exactly close the door and have a go at somebody (laughs) so we did get a little bit of Yasmin on Monday didn't we Alia goes and visits her in hospital and she's really upset to see the state that she's in she's really sweet isn't she yeah Yas says look my operation's coming up soon so don't worry about me love so Alia gives her an update on Tim she also says Elaine's mysteriously disappeared she literally uses the phrase mysteriously disappeared and I was just like how how have you written this into a episode of Coronation Street. <laughs> and they both come to the same conclusion pretty quick. Probably probably killed her then. Has anyone found her watch recently? Because She's that's, probably dead. That's all we need. If you if you're missing and you're and you're stuffed somewhere, you're dead. You're dead. Well though she's left no trace yet, so no. it's she's it's, left a it's on the cards, card. but it's not definite. Yeah. She's left, left a SIM card down the drain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um Yasmin again says, oh, I'd rather be locked up awaiting my trial indefinitely than being out there with, with him. Um, so she's, she's quite happy to be out of the story for a little bit rather than back in with Jeff. Um, Ali then sees Sally in the shop later on, tells her what happened at the hospital. 
And Sally says, look, if you sell up your speed, your share of speed dial, then Jeff's won. He gets a whole restaurant and none of it should belong to him, really. I'm going to give you a load of money that I was going to use on my wedding. But, well, what's going on with that? And I want you to buy Jeff out of speed dial. Well, she says she's got is... enough money to do the wedding without the money yes. that Jeff gave her that actually belongs to right So I'm, I'm guessing and, uh, that weddings are cheaper now because you're not having to cater for so many people because you, can you literally get married, can't have... You can get married very cheaply, darling. Oh, no, I know you can. But I imagine that originally when Jeff said, look, Tim, you can have X thousand pounds for, Whatever. The, for the wedding... You don't need X thousand pounds to get him married now. You literally can't spend that much on the wedding. Although, give you Sally a catalogue. You probably could, but yeah. She's probably had to cut down on the sugared almonds quite a lot. Yeah, exactly. There's money saving everywhere. So she's going to keep whatever she needs and then give the rest to Alia because after all, it's, it's Yasmin's money anyway at the end of the day. So it's just, like just passing it around. Um, like, a, like a millionaire's past the parcel. So Wednesday, yeah. Alia says to Jeff, look, I'm going to buy you out. What do you reckon about that? And... Not unsurprisingly, he refuses point blank because he's got a quite good deal going Not on there, isn't Not only that, but this is his leverage and power. Yeah. And he can wield it over, over everybody. Mm. It puts him in such a position of power, he's never going to give that up. No, but he's crowing. He is blindsided a bit at the end of the scene when Alia drops the bomb about getting the money from Sally. And yeah. He, and he's like, oh... How annoying. How annoying that is. How irritating. I don't like that woman. <laughs> so Alia goes back to the flat again and has to be reprimanded yet again by Imran for not being able to keep her trap shut. He's kind of acting like her big brother at the moment. I love on, on, yeah, I love on Monday, she was like, I just need to get as much distance as possible from Jeff. And first scene in the next episode, she's like, right, Jeff, come here. Yeah. I've got something to tell you. So she's like, sorry, sorry, Imran. I won't do it again. Honestly, I promise. Love you, sorry. So she says... She tells him that if Jeff wants a fight, he can have one. Grrr, I forgot that I need to stay away from him again. And Ryan has to chase her up out of the flats before she gets to her broomstick. I'm not saying she's a witch. No. She's a kung fu master with it. Yeah. Sally she sees she was Alia in the pub and gets an update. Yet more scenes of people telling other characters what have happened. Um, we find out in that scene... Well, she that... also says, I'm oh, sorry, I've dropped you in it here. Yeah, oh, yeah, she, she does, she, she does, doesn't she? Because... She has, Sally has not told Tim about no, this that's money very true. that she's given. Yeah, we also find out then that Craig has said there's nothing they can do about tracing Elaine without an address for her. Oh no, if only it was written down. If somewhere. only there was a database that police could use to find people's addresses. I'm sure it's not as easy as that, but... Um, well, it's obviously going to be, the envelope is in the bin. The envelope. But we did see the bins get collected. Oh, no, that was the leaf bin, the wasn't leaf it? Bin. The leaf bin that hasn't gone in there. Was well, it? only two days have passed it's in, the, in the fortnight since we saw Tim throwing that away. So yeah. it's, it could still well be in there. Just in time. I don't think they it, empty the bins very much in, in the cab office. Well, you, you don't need to, do you? It's all electronic these days. What paper do you need? Do you think that they use, they, they've all got everything online? They're way they? They're totally high-tech. What about that app that they add? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, fine. Uh, it's just full of biscuit wrappers, the bin, isn't it, probably? So they do have to daily do it. Anyway. Um, Tim walks in. Tim walks in and he hears about Sally offering to hand over the wedding money <laughs> and he walks right back out again. Um, I, I, here's a point. Throws their wedding planner in the bin. I think that's what it was. Yeah, was it a planner some, or calendar some or something? Wedding thing. Countdown to our and wedding. And he says, We're, I'm calling the whole thing off then. Yes. I don't really understand why he didn't just go, well, I do understand why he didn't just go, 
Sally, we haven't discussed this. Perhaps we should talk about it and decide not to do this. Well, he's already annoyed at her anyway because he knows that she's taken against his dad and he, who he's having to defend. Um, and this is just the final straw for him, really, isn't it? Like, I was going to get married to you despite the fact that you're you and my dad are at loggerheads. But with this, if you're now giving away our wedding money, I'm not, I don't particularly blame him. For I don't really blame him. Being annoyed he, he, about he, it. I, the only reason that this is escalated is because this is a TV show. Mm. And some people are also immature, I guess, in real life. And I think Tim is totally the sort of person who would go, right, well, you're not getting married at all then. Because I really wanted to give out sugar dough. He just caveman it, wouldn't he? Be like, hoo, hoo, take off the wall, in bin. No, no, marry. No, marry. No, drag you back to my cave. <laughs> so, um, Tim has ended up spending the night in the spare room. Sally tries to make him see that it wasn't even Jess money to offer. It was Yasmin's. And he's like, I don't care. Weddings off. Screw you, Sally. And I said, oh, no. Oh, no, Tim. Please reconsider. Uh, yeah. um, so, Sally tells Alia about what Tim says about the wedding being off. And Alia's like, no, come around. Don't worry about it. But Sally is worried that it could be the end of the road. And I, can, I, I was watching this going, I hope so. For your sake, I hope it is the end of the road. Because he is a horrible idiot of a man. Why are you with him? I still, don't, I still can't decide for myself whether I'd rather that they just got back to how they were when we really liked them as a couple five years ago, or whether I just wanted to say, no, that's no, enough. No, you're such a dick. Why are you such a dick all the time? And it's not even to do with your... your Me? Him. Oh. Him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But he wasn't to begin with. No, he wasn't. It was when she became the mayor. He couldn't handle it. I don't understand also why other people don't have a problem with how he treated her. I have seen lots of people criticising Tim online. But some people still think that it, he was right to say, sorry, because you're a victim of a stalker and, and harassment, you, the best thing is for you just to not be the mayor anymore, rather than saying, I'll support you, and this is just a setback, and we can't let the bullies win. He basically went, well, I don't want you to be the mayor anyway, and this is too much hassle for me, so you don't be the mayor anymore. I just think that Curry has got so few happily married couples at the moment. Well, they don't have any, because Tim and Tally aren't married, and they're not happily married either, so just let it go. But they need some. Yeah, well, not these two. Uh, I'm sick of Tim. <laughs> Do you, you know want that? Jeff to take him out with him? Um, he so, and Jeff can go and live on an island together and and just be horrible to one another. Well, it, let, let's let's see what happens because it could let's well be happens. that soon Tim comes around. But then we've been saying that for ages, haven't we? It will. Come anyway, um, the big the big thing at the end is that. Jeff goes round to Sally's house for a big gloat yeah. and he says, I saw Tim earlier. This and was like uh, the, villain, the Bond villain at the end explaining his plan while, while um, James Bond has literally got like, he's been, he's had his finger super glued to a table and the villain thinks that that's good enough as him being dead. <laughs> well, he's, he's, um, he's the Bond villain that used stats to back up his evil machinations because he said, when I saw Tim, he was, his expression was 48% sadness and 52% relief. So, ha, he's glad to be rid of you. Then he starts insulting <laughs> Sally. That is. Yeah, that is proof. Um, they, uh, they, they, oh yeah, he starts to sound like a Sally, doesn't like, he? Like, you're Horrible old bad. Horrible old ugly something around. You're a horrible old husky boy. And then this is when Faye happens to be walking down the stairs and overhears her all, and she's like, "That's not a very nice thing to say, Granddad." Do you know what, Granddad? This is about the third time I've overheard you being a an absolute asshole to a lady. I'm starting <laughs> to think there's some kind of. I think that what those people are saying about you is right. Not a coincidence at all, is it? Jeff immediately is like, 
Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're right. I went too far. Oh, I can't. I'm sorry, Faye. But, yeah, Sally's, she's been abusing me for months, she has. And, oh, I've, I've just went to the end of my tether about this. And I can't believe I've sunk so low. I can't believe so I've said that. I can't believe I've sunk so I low to say terrible. that. So, so, oh, I'm so sorry, Sally. Oh, please forgive me. He, he, it, I, can't, I couldn't tell completely whether Faye had fallen for this I'm or not. not because really Sally sure. said, see your grandfather out, Faye. So she, she does... And then Jeff apologises when Faye's at the front door. Jeff turns around and just made nice and loud so that Faye can hear, apologises again, but then gives a bit of a smirk. Yeah. So I don't know at the moment whether he has lost this ally in Faye or whether she's believed his, his apologies. It's, it's hard because we don't really know much about Faye because, again, she's no. been very much on the periphery of this. She's not had... She's a, a minor character in Coronation Street, so I couldn't say also, one way or another. I'll tell you another thing. She doesn't have anyone to confide in. No, so she doesn't. So we never hear her thoughts. No, absolutely not. She, I mean, Craig was who she used to, but there's there's nobody at the moment. She no. can't confide in her, her adoptive brother, Gary, because he's going through his own dramas yeah. at the moment. I wonder, I wonder if the Faye's going to be going to the wedding on the, the next Does episode. Does she even know they're getting married? <laughs> yeah. She's not mentioned it. No, she, she couldn't be a witness, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I don't know. But then equally, I'm thinking, well, if Faye was now on the anti-Jeff side, would that matter? I know. Is she terrible. really that strong oh, an ally can't that really... Jeff can't afford to lose her? I can't really be bothered to watch this plot if all it's going to turn into is one by one Jeff alienating everyone around him by being overheard slagging somebody else off. Which is yeah, which is where it's going. Which it is at the moment. This is what the plot is right now. Yeah, I mean, I suppose if Faye isn't on Jeff's side anymore, the, the what the logical story um, progression next would be is for her to go and tell Tim, you know what, I think Sally's right all along. Because I would like to think that Tim might listen to his daughter, but he's so stubborn. He's so stubborn he won't listen to anybody. He'll just go, oh, Sally's poisoned you against him as well. I don't know. I mean, every every time something happens where you think, surely Tim must do it now, he hasn't. But there's there's got to be a point. He he will, won't he? He'll he'll turn against his father at some point. This this could well be it. I I don't I don't really see the point of involving Faye in the storyline at all really because she's not done very much has she so if the only reason she's been included in it is to be the one who can finally convince Tim to come over to the the light side maybe um, yeah I don't know it it, it it does feel a bit at the moment you, you described it as spinning plates yesterday didn't you that the story is is very much treading water at the moment it and really is just like it, I said it reminded me of what happened in Game of Thrones in the original books where George Martin realised that the timescales that he had planned for characters did not fit with each other. And so he had to have Daenerys go to Slaver's Bay and just hang around there. That's not the words you used to describe that to me last night. You said she was sticking a thumb up her ass <laughs> <laughs> For three years. Yeah, basically. So that other people can go and stab each other in Westeros so that she could then eventually come over at a certain point in the plot. But it didn't make much. It doesn't really make much sense for her to have been dicking around over there for all that time when her actual ambition was to. Anyway, anyway, it reminds me of that where I think because of COVID and the changes they've had to make, the timescales of things aren't making sense. But then why have? Because when Yasmin had her heart attack, I was like, oh, very clever. They're gonna put this on ice for a bit. Um, 
But it's still going. But it, and, it, and also I thought, oh, they can't... Maybe it's because they can't have Ian Bartholomew and Shelley King in. They, well, they can because they're both in the show. So what? Why is she? Why has she had a heart attack? Well, well the, I guess the, it's because you can't it, have the court. We can't case. have the trial. But, it literally but, seems okay, that everything's been invented. Okay, can I just ask invented. a question? What can we not have court cases in real life? That's not true, is it? You can have court cases. Well, then yeah. why can't you film a court case? Because they're not filming on location. Well, this is not. This is not a big enough story for them to make a little. Is that the literally? Is that the, that's the only reason this I is think happening? So. It's really bad. They're not. I don't think they're papering the cracks over very well for this. I'm wondering like how I mean, much of doing, this has been again, invented to the fill the, the gap, can, and how but... much hasn't? Because Elaine came into the story. Was, was it? Was it the day before the trial was supposed to be? Elaine coming. Elaine is like the the shining star of this. Yeah. No, I'm just thinking what she she, she was always going have been to been involved in. She was always going to come into it because she Elaine's first appearance was the last day before the the coronavirus switch she was she appeared on the wednesday and then friday was they're when lucky the, they could get her back then. i know friday was when the um the trial stuff happened so it feels like they're always going to have elaine and i wonder whether what was originally going to happen was elaine showed up and then they have the trial and then she comes in and saves the day at the trial oh. and now they've had to invent well we've got to get rid of elaine for a little bit and it, okay, alright, I'll forgive him a bit more then, but it's mm. still a bit frustrating. I've enjoyed the story and I've been perfectly happy with it up to now stretching out this well, long, the, but yeah, at the well, moment I'm just, it's, I don't really care about Sally and Tim's wedding. It's, no. another, it's another one of these things that they, as far as I remember, and I don't pay attention to everything, that they haven't really mentioned for quite a long time. And now it's suddenly, and now it's suddenly yeah, the, so the, important. The, the pivotal, yeah, the, the, the focus point of the week. Um, and yeah, the reason I didn't mind the Jeff and Yasmin story, because uh, they've had accusations that this is dragging on too long, seemingly the entire time they've been doing this plot. And the reason I didn't mind or I defended it previously is because this is a sort of plot that needs a lot of time, because manipulation and coercive control takes place over years mm. in a relationship. You don't, it doesn't just happen over a few weeks and then stops. So I was defending it because it is, a, an, a, a, I felt, an honest and... I had a lot of integrity the way that they were doing it, but but now it's just spinning wheels because they haven't got anywhere. And what what to I what I enjoyed like, about the, the plot was seeing the the relationship between Yasmin and Jeff, which we're not seeing anymore. We, yeah. We're barely seeing any Yasmin as it is. Um, yeah, that's a trouble. And, and I enjoyed seeing Jeff being evil, evil. and I he's guess, not really being evil. He's just being a bit being smarmy an and. And shouting at people across the street. I'm not going, oh, that Jeff. Her, yeah, because he's his... just saying the same things again and again and again. And the other thing is, there's no menace here. Because Sally genuinely does not care if Jeff likes him or not. Yasmin cared and she was invested emotionally in the relationship. And she couldn't see what was happening. Sally can see right through him. That, and he's not a, a formidable opponent for anybody. Apart from poor old Elaine. Who we don't know what's happened to. But I really assume is fine. Mm. Somewhere. And we'll just have to be coaxed back to come and give evidence or something uh, at, at, at the later, trial, at which was originally going to be what was going to happen, as you, as you. But yeah, so Jeff, without having anybody to villainize, he is just a bit of a a boring old asshole, mm. and uh, uh, it's a shame because they the... need that dynamic to make him a villain. Without, I mean, that that's the sad thing about these these men who and, and women who abuse their partners is that 
the control is born of love on the opposite side and they need it's like they turn it against you your love and compassion and all your positive emotions for them get get turned against you but when you don't have those feelings for them anymore their power's gone and so jeff has no power anymore so that's why it's not interesting his power now is he's in control of speed dial but yeah yeah again i'm because I'm thinking, well, this is going to be over and done with by the end of the year, I assume. It's like, well, maybe he can have speed dial for a bit, but he's not going to have it at the end of the year. I, I'm not <laughs> I'm not really first. And if, if say, Alia decides, oh, I'm going to try and sell the house, maybe. I, uh, then I, again, I just don't think anything's going to... It all feels like delaying tactics. Yeah, and it is. Yeah. Um, right. Oh, what did you think about Sally giving the, the money without... Do you... We, well, we said we felt a bit sorry for Tim, didn't we? Do you think that Sally was a bit wrong for doing that? Definitely, without... but it just goes to show that their relationships are stupid and pointless. It's not so bad as Sarah and Adam, I have to but, say. But but the fact that she thinks that she can do this without consulting him and why is he mad about it just goes to prove that there are problems on both sides of this and they probably are. They're lucky that they, it turns out they weren't married at all I guess and they should just take it as a sign. I guess it's just a desperate times, a desperate measures. She's, she's tried to talk to Tim until she's blue in the face about your dad's and a git. Um, so I'm just so going to steal gonna, money gonna, from you. Yeah. But this whole wedding, the whole wedding thing, it's like a bit unnecessary. I, I thought that... I'm not worried about whether they get married or not. That's the trouble. See, I, I thought, I was sure that Charlie was going to have a bigger role in this story. Yeah, I know. Wow. And, and nothing's happened with that. But anyway, let's let's move on, Gemma. Your, your least favourite of the week. I know we've had a bit of a moan already about this week's Corey, but... Gemma, I'm going to hand you the mic and you can um, you mic. can just let loose. Let it rip. I'm kind of out of energy for, for even Ooh, getting mad have, have about Have some of my energy now. drink. It w- I want to watch this on Monday. So so this is the Gemma storyline. And on Monday, Kathy's like, oh, are you still doing vlogs? And she's like, yeah, but I haven't really had much to say. So This is when Kathy says, have you tried live blogging? Oh, what's that? Well, we know anyway. So she then gets inspired to do one of these vlogs, which apparently is igniting mummies across the the country because they've never heard anybody else talk about their problems before, and it makes them realise that they're not alone. I don't know if there, they... many, there are many mummy blobs out, blobs, blobs, blobs <laughs> out there. I tell you what, there blobs. are loads of mummy blobs as well. <laughs> but Gemma, as we know, is the most articulate. Um... Gemma somehow tapped into like this this deep seated need that everybody had to see a simpleton prattle on about mushy peas for for. What felt like hours, but was no more than there 10 seconds. There was something seconds. really off about that scene. We so anyway, let me just tell you. So she's talking about mushy peas, and then Chesney comes down. He's, he's, he's taking his shirt off because the said mushy peas have been vomited onto it by one of the children. And um, he is standing there with no top on, and then he realises that she's recording, tells her to stop. She says she can't because it's live, and then he holds it, holds it up to himself and is, like, aghast at his nakedness in front of the world and runs upstairs, and then apparently all these, like, noises come from the laptop, which are presumably are mum, mummy blobs just having Go. orgasms of ecstasy <laughs> and seeing a man half naked that isn't their husband. <laughs> So anyway, that scene was one of the worst scenes I've ever seen in Coronation Street. Why? Tell us why, Dan. Well, you pointed out, we, we watched it twice now, because I said, I'm going to give it a fair shake. I might have just been in a bad mood. 
I'll watch it again to see if it truly was as bad as I thought. And I will say it wasn't as bad as I remember it, but it's still one of the worst scenes I've ever seen. So one of the things that I pointed out was yes. it seemed like there was unnatural pauses between each of the... They were very brief. Half the dialogue. It was, but Gemma said something, and there was a bit of a pause. Manchester something, and it's a bit of a pause. So there's something off with the editing it, or the direction or something. Something it, happened. It was. It must have been a confluence of various issues, but it just was. It. I. I, I did GCSE drama at school, and there were times when we had to do improv, and there were always kids in the class who had no real skill or enough brain power to pull off improv of just a normal conversation. Oh, I never did drama at school, but and I would, so it would just literally, to do that. It just literally sounded like two people doing improv in a class that they weren't interested in doing. And I really hate slamming actors' performances, and I don't very often do it, but I, I, I'm going to slam both of them in this because they can do way better. Both of them are really good actors. But this, the, the script was awful. I refuse to believe that anybody watches Gemma sitting in front of a camera going... Oh, I really like mushy peas, but that reminds me that I like pizza. I remember when I used to eat pizza before I had my children, but now I only really have time to eat liquid food, like milkshakes. Oh, I love milkshakes. It's like a Homer Simpson, isn't it? It's like, but it's not funny. It's not funny. I want to know how many viewers that she's supposed to get in, because they've been very coy about the numbers, haven't they? that we're led to believe that she is an internet sensation. But I honestly could well think there's only ten people. Whoever came up with this idea and whoever wrote this script has nothing but contempt and hatred for vloggers and people that listen and like and enjoy and and, and consume this media. Because there's no way that anybody who knows anything about it or has any respect for people who do or enjoy this sort of stuff, there's no way that they would think that this is an accurate depiction. And I know I'm giving it a really hard time and it, and it, it is disproportionate to the importance of this to the show as a whole. But when they mess something up so fundamentally simple, it drives me absolutely bonkers. I couldn't believe how poor this was. I'll tell you, with the little pauses between the dialogues, I think I know what it was. They were waiting for the laughter track. Oh, God. I tell you <laughs> what... This is, the current, this is the comedy storyline of Coronation Street at the moment. You know what? So the pause for that, they probably did it in front of an audience there and the audience are like... No. Nah. I think if Although you... they would have had the, they would have had them whistling when Chesney came down the stairs. Woo! I know. I tell you what, I, w- I we should get that get that scene and put laughter track on it, and I bet you it would be really good. <laughs> yeah, it's one of these things. It's like it's probably a funny idea at the time. This is the point when I re- when I read when I read the synopsis of it. It sounds like a decent idea for a comedy scene. And Gemma and Chesney are the two characters that you would probably pick for something like this. And, you know, well, I can Chesney imagine... caught in the new... Do you remember last year when, um... Was it... Oh, no, was... No, Chesney caught Bernie in the nude last year, didn't they? When yeah. They in the same room. Ugh. Um, I'm just so sad. I'm really sad about how bad this was. Like, I, I started off getting really angry. And then I just... And now I'm just sad because this is poor. And it's... But it's a bad reflection on everybody who's who's involved what in this in any way. do you think we were supposed way? to think about Chesney? Because he got um, annoyed at the fact that his, his pasty white chest or something, as he called it, was being broadcast to billions. But when, in, in later scenes, Gemma was like, oh, no, it's, it's not so bad. And he, he had to be talked down. But I think I'm on Chesney's side here. Well, yeah. I don't... I know he didn't have his willy hat or anything. He didn't have his ginger nuts out. 
But he doesn't want to be walking. You don't want to expect to be walking she's into got, that. Do she's you? like no respect at all. I mean, it. Just because she's happy to, you know, bear, bear her midriff to the wall. Yeah. Reading is re- we're on readings way too much into this stupid, stupid I... scene. But it, it invites criticism because of how bad it was. Like what? So she's okay with filming him in the bath and then criticising him when he has lack of self-confidence and self-esteem. I know, he's not exactly the most confident person, is he, Chesney? And, and, and she's using him to get viewers who are laughing at him, which is what's happening. Yeah. And then part of the plot this week was Bernie defending Gemma from Vanessa, who crops back up again. And what was that plot about? Them making fun of Gemma and laughing at her. So has Gemma learned anything from the, the, the what happened with her and Vanessa? No, not really. And, and apparently... Um, well, look... Just I, I think, as much as I criticised this on Monday... I think that the the twist on Wednesday when she has the video chat with her was a, an unexpected turn for the the whole lot better. And I think no, that that particular rubbish. scene, I thought that that was another one of the scenes like the socially distanced hug with, with Abby last week that was more human side of Gemma that I, I like to see. And I was like, oh, okay. Right, so on Wednesday, they look through the comments together and people are moaning about Chesney having a go at Gemma again annoying but then they find a sympathetic mum who's saying how stressful it is and then Gemma says oh I'm going to invite her for a, a video chat later and this is the other thing that annoys me Gemma's being the mother Teresa of mummy bloggers saving everybody from themselves because she went to one session of um, okay. of what was Post- it postnatal depression therapy or yeah. counselling or whatever a group session and now somehow she's qualified to help people who are in the same situation as her mm. I, I hate everything about this. It's so <laughs> condescending. It is so disrespectful to people that have gone through postnatal depression. And I, I, I honestly, buying none of this, I think it's stupid. So anyway, she says, I'm going to chat with you later. And it turns out it's Vanessa. And another, this is another thing about that Coronation Street like, likes to do, which is to set people up who are middle class, upper middle class people who seemingly have everything that the characters on the street don't have, even though all of them are loaded. Let's remind ourselves and own businesses. None of these people are destitute. <laughs> so don't be fooled into this working class myth of Coronation Street. They're loaded, but they're, they're one storyline Const- away from destitution at all Constantly passing around parcels of like 20 grand or so, just very casually. <laughs> anyway, so, so, this, so, so Coronation Street likes to set these characters up as like upper middle class toffin snobs, as though nobody in the world could ever be rich and and normal or not rich just live in a normal house right and and so and then they take them and then they like crap all over them make them look like idiots or say their lives are actually awful and worse than the characters of coronation street so the characters in coronation street should be happy with what they have Mm. they do it time and time again so vanessa basically comes crawling to Gemma, going i had it all i had everything that anyone would ever dream of but now you can see it's all a lie and everything that i built my life on was sand well her husband's left her hasn't she for the babysitter because they got on each other's nerves during lockdown yeah do you remember that lockdown that everybody in weatherfield had all that time that everyone was cooped up together and they couldn't go outside well vanessa had a right old time during that and the one thing that everybody continuously says to Gemma all the time is i don't know how you do it i don't know how you do it i don't know what she actually does anymore because the babies have never in the scenes i understand why <laughs> but it's like the babies have all died and she's just sitting there like delusionally spooning mushy peas over chesney's shirts 
to make up the fact that her babies have died somehow. Yeah. So anyway, Vanessa's like, oh, Gemma, you're the only one that can help me because I'm, I've realised that your lackadaisical, happy-go-lucky approach to life is what I've been missing in my, in my worldview all this time. And I shouldn't have cared about material things and having a husband. I should just cared about making vlogs like you do. <laughs> I don't know what's the story, what is the point of this. And also, she she apologises for being a horrible cow and blamed basically blames Imogen. Yeah. Um. And and um. Imogen from Wardsley Street. And and now she's not friends with Imogen anymore because her husband and and Imogen's husband were friends, and now the husband's run off with the babysitter. Imogen also like what are you talking about <laughs> who wrote this drivel rubbish nonsense so on Friday Chesney finds out that Gemma's messaging Vanessa and quite wisely says this is a stupid idea and then he tells Bernie who says this is a stupid idea and I have to say I absolutely love Bernie on Friday she's the best part about this whole storyline Jane Hazelgrave is stuck in the limbo of the worst storyline on Coronation Street and still manages to put in a bloody good performance. So good on you. She she gets told this in the shop. She goes around there and tells Vanessa, I don't know what you think you're doing here, but you can leave, thank you. You kicked my baby when she was on her knees. I thought that was a really great line. I don't think you appreciate the, the bonds that mothers and daughters have, especially, not that I know anything about this, especially when you see your daughter having a baby and it must invoke so many emotions in you and she is just being a fierce, protective mother and she knows that Gemma's vulnerable emotionally. She says, when she had postnatal depression, you were one of the reasons, you were one of the people that was making it worse. When she tried to come out of her shell, all you did was mock her and and she's like, that my husband left me for the babysitter. It's like, I don't actually care about you. You're not even a real character. Get out of the set. So I just think I'm more of a forgiving soul than you. And I no, enjoyed the Bernie video No, was right. Scene. What does Vanessa want from Gemma? Let's just be plain speaking here. Gemma is a vulnerable person. She is not the brightest person in the world. She does not have anything to give except emotions and Vanessa just seems to me to be like an emotional leech who's gonna attach herself to Gemma and expect her to solve all of her problems she's like one of these psychic vampire people that just takes all your energy and always always has a drama always wants something off of you never gives anything she is she's Colin Robinson and she can go in a dress well I'm I was I was I was a bit surprised. I was expecting, because Gemma had set up to meet with uh, Vanessa in the park, hadn't she, or Victoria Gardens. I was expecting Gemma to walk in on the end of this and overhear Bernie you know, reading the riot act to her, but I then she never did. I don't know what's going to happen now. I mean, I assume she's going to turn up at the park and Vanessa won't be there because Friday's episode was obviously the first half of an episode. So we're going to have more of that story on Monday. And all I can imagine happening is Gemma going to the park, finding Vanessa's not there, maybe thinking she's being abandoned or, or maybe she oh, thinks I'm that Vanessa is. Tr- oh, I thought that Vanessa had, had, had um, forgiven me, and she wanted to be my friend. But now I, she's not, and I feel worse. So mm. yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with what Bernie did, but I absolutely feel her energy mm. and um, her passion, and it's nice that she feels it. It's a shame that she didn't bother for the previous. 20 years of Gemma's life, but she's here <laughs> she's now. making up for it now by gum. What the speaking hell? Of, what? Speaking of Bernie, 
we got to see a whole scene with somebody in a face mask the other day. And she sounded absolutely fine. We were worried. What happened? We thought that with people with the face masks over, then the, uh, the booms wouldn't be able to pick them up or whatever. They said, boom, they still use those these days. The mics wouldn't be able to pick them up, would they? But she was she as did clear a as a bell. Yeah. She's, she's got a powerful old voice. I really Jane. like Bernie. Yeah. I, I liked what she said about... She had bird written on her on her face mask, and they're like, "Why have you done this?" And she's like holding a mirror to the patriarchy, and you went, "What does that mean?" And I said, "Do you want me to explain it to you?" And you went, "No, I don't actually." And I understand why not because I'd probably just start ranting about yeah. the male gaze for Let, half an hour. Let's not go there then, shall no, we? we? I shan't. don't need to know this. But that's those little touches about that, like that face mask thing. Whether or not you think it was funny or interesting, or you like Benny or not. You have to admit that those little character vignette moments of, of people having a personality is what Coronation Street is really lacking. And I like it when they invest those moments in characters that I, mm. I like. So that, that little bit about Bernie. I, I, I fully understand that at times it feels annoying and disruptive to the plot. And you think, why am I being forced to watch this? Especially if it's a character you don't like, but I really like that. But yeah, what the hell does Vanessa want? And what does she think, Gemma? Like, I just want to talk. Just want to admit. I don't like Vanessa and I don't like I don't like what she represents in Coronation Street as well this weird the thing that annoys me about Coronation Street is it the one thing it feels a bit it feels a bit hypocritical right and I always champion it and and say that it's you know it's a great it's like working class people blah 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 and like I have mixed feelings about it because I came from working class background but now I consider myself to be more middle class but I also feel a bit confused about where I stand and I think a lot of people in a similar situation to me have this same weird kind of like being kind of ashamed and feeling weird about calling yourself middle class but also you don't really feel working class either but Coronation Street is trying to champion this but it's kind of annoys me when you you see them crapping all over people who are supposedly middle class or of higher status when you know the show is written made produced performed by people none of whom are really working class people (laughs) i see what you mean if they started off that way they certainly don't end up that way you know what i'm saying it just kind of gets on my nerves can we not just be nice to everybody that's what i'm saying it just just don't crap on people Mm. And and make these fake villains out of people. Okay. Well. No, it's fine. I, I had a segue about five minutes ago, but I'm going to use it anyway. Speaking of face coverings, what about Dev's beard, eh? Yeah. He had a big old beard, he? had didn't a he? big old bushy beard. And I think that was in... Was he in that shop scene then? I can't remember, because he was definitely in the scene with Steve in the Ollie Wobble storyline when he wanted to buy his frozen sausages for £5.48 or whatever it was. £5.28. But yeah, that is a good old beard. I think he looks great. And I, was that, I, I knew about it before, but I can't remember why I knew about it. I think maybe it had been reported in the press or he'd been papped or something with his big old bushy beard. I think it suits him quite well. And there's been a lot of Curry characters um, sprouting facial hair over the years. Like, you know, Jack P. Shepard's now got his beard and Dan Brockerbank's got his beard and Ben Price has got his beard occasionally. And, um, and all the, and, all and, the females... Cast yeah, got and, and usually my response is, I don't think they look that great in a beard. But tell you what, it suits Dev. Congratulations. Which made me sad to see a post on Twitter yesterday where somebody said, oh, look, I've met Jimmy Harkishin and the beard is gone. He's gone back to the clean um, I think you'll look. find that we're supposed to be spoiler-free podcast. Yeah, spoiler, sorry alert, spoiler alert. Dev's beard Dev's had a horrible life. beard accident. <laughs> anyway, 
So, anyway, look, sorry I ranted and sorry I was being classist. No, people against, love to and and the saying rants. that people on Coronation Street are working class. Rants but and I rants. Don't that's know what this story is. Right, so Ollie Wobbles then. And I didn't originally notice that this was the Ollie Wobbles story at the beginning. And I also had it separated out into Steve's sausage story <laughs> and Imran's fostering story. There I've was merged them together. These scenes maybe not be in the same order that they happened, but they're all to do reaction. with, isn't it sad that Ollie's um, not doing so well at the moment? And we, and we, and it's like, um, some, you know how some people channel their emotions into interpretive dance? Yeah. Coronation Street channeled this into a rant about frozen sausages. Yeah. So Steve goes into the cafe first thing in the morning and he wants, um, he wants a English breakfast or a, a sausage balm or something like that. However, the cafe has no meat in and Nina, the, the militant uh, vegan that she is it's just like it's she fine she wasn't being a militant vegan she just said we don't have any meat would you like something else I'm, why don't you try just eating vegetables I, I am I've got I've got honestly I've got nothing against people obviously who don't want to eat meat or or you know paper everything and no plastic but I'm just finding that there's all that Nina and Alex at the moment seem to be doing is berating anybody who comes in that wants to eat something that's meat or based in a plastic based container you know what I mean I do I do agree with you but this is the difficulty and, and, they, and probably do it because they got their little green duck picking up an olive branch at the end of the credits because they're sustainable or whatever it means but I, yeah I, so when I saw this scene at the that. beginning of Mondays it's like okay here we go again it's not just Please that though Nina something good to do okay yeah, no, what, carry what, what? On. I'm just saying it's not just that Coronation Street sustainable production people in real life are caring more about what they eat and trying to eat more I know, yeah. I, it just feels like it's disproportionately being included into the script. I don't think so. Yeah, but I think that you and I have very different experiences of stuff like this because you really don't... You don't go online, you don't speak to people who aren't... like You, you don't really know people like that, like, who care about stuff like this. But I see quite a lot about about how you know mm. I'll shut up I now. know that people like this exist just, I know you know that I, I, I think it's just that I think I want... you underestimate how much how much environmentalism impacts people's everyday lives mm. and yeah it is a wanky middle class thing but people care now about where stuff's made and using too much plastic and eating too much meat I and just, it is something that some people do think and talk about I'm, I'm really interested in Nina as a character and I want her to be developed more than just she's the person who works at the cafe and talks about where the food comes from. I, I really want them to ve- develop her character more, but she's been in limbo a bit behind the cafe for a while. I think she's had a, quite a lot to do, considering. I want more bat stuff with Roy. Anyway, Steve... i tell you what, this all started because people are eating bats. Don't <laughs> you bring them into it. Steve is a bit knocked on Monday because he wants this sausage sandwich, but there's no meat. And then when Nina suggests that he go veggie for the day, he's like, I'm not having any of this. He gets it right in her face and he's like, I'm out of here. So he goes over to Deb's and then gets agitated over the lack of all-day breakfast sandwiches on the sandwich rack. Don't worry, Steve, they're all made of plastic anyway. <laughs> so instead, he goes to the freezer and buys his frozen sausages for £5.28. And I don't ever do the shopping, but even me, my, who just whose wife does all this kind of stuff, maybe I'll buy the milk and the bread sometimes. You're like a politician where you don't know what food costs. Yeah. 
Like £5.28 for sausages, I don't think that's right. And not even just any sausages, ones that are frozen. Yeah. And also ones that come in that little papery plastic container that you know means that they're the wrong below the good ones. Yeah. Because in this country, if you're buying good sausages, they come all laid neatly out in a row in a little black plastic. Yeah, they don't come in a bundle of eight. No, they don't. They have it a row. Yeah. So you can and they see have more. a nice little picture on the front of what's inside them. Maybe what farm they came from. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So anyway, he's five pound twenty eight. Is you should be buying twelve sausages for that. So he goes and um, he goes back home to cook the sausages. No, he doesn't. He goes back to the cafe and demands that Nina fries these sausages for him. And, and he gets one out and starts. He gets one out and starts pointing it. Yeah. And he got flashback to Sarah the wonky finger because this sausage is flopping all over the place. Finger shaming. <laughs> and um, so that that's kind of the the. I liked how unflapped. Can I just say I really liked how unflapped Nina was by this, and I think it's hilarious. Like it was, it was very low key, but quite funny that she was like, "I'm just going to take this in my stride." Honestly, this is no big deal to me. I feel like this happens every day. Somebody comes in here and starts brandishing frozen sausages in my face, demanding I cook them. But I'm unflappable, Nina. I'm just gonna try to attack him with a spatula. And she <laughs> I wasn't like she had some some tongs. Yeah, she wasn't like aggressive or like no. freaked out. She's just like, she's just like she has this whatever. very serene look on her face at all times. Yeah. And she's like click 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 with the, with the tongs. Like get back, please. <laughs> I'm not cooking your filth. Now, meanwhile, in the same story, but not to do with Leanne and Nick particularly. Karen, the fostering lady, is coming over this afternoon. To reassess Toya and Imran. No, she's going to interview Leanne. No, she was. No, she's into. No, she's. She went. No, she had a meeting with Toya and Imran. Oh, okay. Imran can't make it because he's got some legal appointment. So Toya has to do the meeting herself. We don't get to see the meeting. Oh yeah. Um, and then she's going to go over to Leanne to get a reference. So, um, yeah, we don't get to see this meeting because Coronation Street are just, ple- they just think that we're happy to assume that. 50% of the story is going off, you know, off scene. Off screen. We're just off screen, sorry. We just need to be told what happened and we'll be happy with it. And also, yeah, we really enjoy fine. watching characters tell other characters things that have happened in the scene we just saw. Rather than, yeah, yeah, I know. Um, so anyway, Imran comes home, finds the meeting was fine. There should be a new panel meeting soon. And he's like, oh, you need to find the and see how the reference went. What did she say about me? He's did like, she say she likes my beer? <laughs> What did Karen say? Did she mention it? I've been teaching Dev how to grow his. <laughs> so Wednesday. Um, oh, yeah. Going back to the sausage thing. Well, Leanne doesn't go to this meeting, does she? She doesn't go to the reference meeting because she's been called in to extract Steve before he has to extract a sausage from his ass. <laughs> and so they go over to number one and talk about the pressure that are both yes, under because, because this is all this has nothing to do with sausages this wasn't about sausages no 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 this was to do with Steve is going through the ringer a little bit because he his old son's he just wants to control something um, been, in his been, life yeah um, it's been told that he's got um, Mito and uh, that, that Mito explained his anger in Ugh. the situation so he's she's like it's okay to be upset I feel it as well sometimes Steve says that Tracy's terrified that his depression is returning. I'd like to see more Tracy, please. Because, again, we, we're told that Tracy's... Fr- I'd be interested to see this. But, yeah. again, we're just told that Tracy is, is, is worried about Steve. But, anyway, he doesn't think his depression is coming back. Um, and then and that's kind of it, really. But they just have a little bonding where this kid's parents moment and isn't Well, this it was tough. just, like, I guess, addressing... Or, like, addressing Steve's 
because really this this uh, Oliver's illness has been a story about Leanne and yeah. how Leanne reacts and copes to everything. And I criticised Coronation Street previously, and I said this is a kind of thing that happens in our culture in general where we, we we kind of focus on the mother as the primary caregiver and then wonder why men feel disengaged mm. from parenthood but Steve really you know this was focusing on Steve and he was reacting in, in such a Steve-like way and yeah it was kind of stupid but I didn't have a problem I, with particularly. I think I did have a bit of a problem with it on Monday because it just goes into the Steve's an idiot and I thought it was they, kind of funny. They didn't make it clear enough. And I, it's not like I want everything spelling out to me, but it wasn't obvious enough that he was doing it because of Ollie on Monday's episode. No. It, it just, he just came across as an arse. And I think they just needed something, somebody there saying, look, are you sure that you're not just wound up about Ollie or, or something? It, to, to the, I guess I guess he could. It put just that looked line like in. he was mad that he couldn't get a sausage sandwich. Uh, some people on Twitter really hated, like they were moaning about how vegans are always the butt jokes and everything and I was like there's plenty to complain about if you're a vegan about how you get portrayed but this is not even anything to do with veganism and it certainly was not something about how reasonable Steve was being it was just making Steve look like an idiot yeah which I I think Corrie does enough as it it is I'm just saying it was pro if if anything it was pro-vegan rather than oh yeah 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 that's what I'm saying but still people watched the same thing we did and went they're being mean to vegans it was clearly not being mean to vegans no it wasn't no Um, anyway so that that was the Steve stuff I I thought it was a bit silly I don't don't know whether if it had been another character doing it whether I'd have understood it more anyway meanwhile um, Toya finds out from Karen that Leanne's missed this appointment so she goes home and tells Imran and then um, but it's okay because Leanne's bringing round dinner later to apologise and Imran really hopes it's that casserole that Leanne brings unfortunately for him it is and he does a little hooray fist pump doesn't he when he finds out that that's what it is later and um, Leanne says sorry look, I'll phone Karen tomorrow it's all going to be okay I'm going to give you a glam reference no problem also this is what Steve's been going through and Toya has another nice little moment where she tells Leanne how proud she is for all that she's coping with at the moment wasn't it lovely i would i wish that toya and imran had their own story that wasn't just this is part of leanne's story yeah it feels like such a side story i don't know why it can't be that the their own thing that just happens to coincide with leanne's thing Mm. rather than just being no this is you're right it feels like it's tacked on and if they'd been developed separately and they happen to converge it would be way more powerful yeah, I, I agree. And and argue, arguably, people are more interested in seeing Toya and Imran develop as a couple, if only because we have had nothing really of them other than they like shagging in the law office and then eating the vegetable lasagna. And I, I, we kind of joke about these things, but that's because that that's literally all we really is know. all we know. Yeah. I, I think also... People like the more real feeling storylines and both the Gary one. The, the Gary one and the Jeff story have both got a bit of the the, the panto about the it. The, 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 yeah. yeah, they're both about a villain. Yeah, Gary's yeah. a villain and yeah, Jeff's right. a villain. In real life, we don't really say, oh, I'm the villain in my life or no. you're, you're the villain in my life. Well, so yeah. you, you can't necessarily... Um, sympathise well, or, or, or empathise with the characters as much. I and, I, and, I, and I enjoy... And, and obviously lots of people are empathising with Yasmin in this story, but Yasmin's not in the Yasmin story at the moment. No. Um, yeah, so for something that's a little bit 
lower stakes, I think that having the fostering as a you know, give it a bit more airtime would be lovely. Or or more the the Abbey stuff that came on, but anyway, I'm sure the time will will come. I just find this I just find this a bit frustrating because unfortunately, due to the situation that we're in, I think it feels obvious to everybody watching at home that this Toya and Imran fostering storyline can't really happen now, and if it does happen, it's going to be with somebody who's pretending to be a 16-year-old who's actually 25. No, it's not because they're, they're, they've got some of the younger cast members back now. But they, mean... No, but I said before, you can't have a fostering storyline where everybody's oh, socially hugging. distancing from each yeah. other. It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And so to get emotionally invested in it, and I know we said before that, you know, the, the hugging and everything is fine and we don't mind that they're having to stay away from each other, but the physical contact is... Just, to, just as the same way that physical distance symbolises certain things about a relationship, obviously physical contact symbolises something else again. So if you were to have Toya and Imran desperately wishing to foster a child and it's their dream they've always had forever, their passion in life that they can't live without, and then the kid turns up and they're like basically patting him on the head with a plastic ruler, <laughs> it's not going to feel true or authentic, is it? And oh, they deserve well, a lot more they than that. Could, they so might to me, to... I'm just watching this going, when, is the, when, is, when are the... The, when are the bricks going to fall on their heads here? What What's going to happen here? Because the, the obvious out is that Leanne says, no, don't do it because I can't cope. And that would have made sense to me. And it would have been, okay, that was an interesting side story diversion. But now I'm just like, where are we hurtling to? They, they, you know, they, they might be able to do it because they've had their socially distanced stunt. They have socially distanced passing the watch back and forth. Surely they could say, oh come and give me a hug new child and then you see a child running towards the camera and then Toya grabs hold of you know one of the shorter mannequins from Underworld (laughs) and pats it on the head and just holds her tight I don't know and and then we cut to the usual thing of when people in soaps have a hug and you get to see over their shoulder and you just see this mannequin dead eyes no I I don't I don't see I, I think why would they go to so much effort? What, for the first socially distanced fostering storyline in the soap? Yeah, well, they did first socially distanced hug. Right, before we I move... just think, stupid, annoying, once Toya and Imran to do something, I wasn't on board with the fostering in the first place because I don't really care about it, but now it's like... But we've been seeing some fostering, a little bit of it on the DVDs, haven't we, with, with Len and yeah, Rita okay. fostering Sharon. Yeah, um, I mean, it is an it interesting can... dynamic... I, I tell you what, the thing is, I need to know more information about what kind of person, I nearly said animal, <laughs> what kind of child are they going to foster? Are they looking for a teenager? Because I, once I know what it is, that, what kind of uh, age range they're going to get, I can decide what I think about it. Okay. But at the moment, I'm just, it, because it's all ephemeris and I don't even think it's going to happen, I'm really struggling to like get behind this because I just think it's not going anywhere. Mm. Yeah, okay. It can't go anywhere. Um, before we move on to the final few little storyline bits, there's a bit of an elephant in the room, <gasps> or not in the room as it were, Liz. How dare you call Liz an elephant? <laughs> Liz, she, she, no, elephants are known for being very wrinkly. Liz, not. Very, very smooth. <laughs> <laughs> She's gone. She is in Spain. We can officially say that, that it is definite that um, yeah, 
she's left the show. She ha- and and and, and we, I know we are a spoiler-free podcast and everything, but there's only so much that we can pretend. The reports have come out this week. This would be in the no. news section, but we're not having a news section this week, apart oh, from having extra later. Liz Beverly Callard has left the show. No, but and yeah, she hasn't had an exit storyline. This is not this is not a spoiler because they said on the show that Liz is in Spain. Yes. And, and at some point and they're we, going to say, and she's not coming back. And yeah, and so and so Possibly. It I you could say it's a spoiler because I was wondering if she would come back or not, but I, I she's not. So It's it's the same as if, you know, when a character disappears to go and visit their sick mum when they're on maternity, we're not gonna say, Oh, I wonder whether they'll come back next week. She's left. She she's she's gone. She's gonna be away for a little bit. And and then she's gonna come back maybe. Please Helen Flanagan. But yeah, oh. Bev Bev has gone. Yeah, you're not. But you're not talking about Beverly. Callard not coming. He's not going away and coming. No, back. she she's not. Well, she probably will. Bev's the thing with, with Liz is she's left a few times over the years, hasn't she? And it would not surprise me one little bit if she if she does come back again. Particularly as the character has been cheated out of an exit. It was announced back at the end of last say, year. This this might be surprising to some people that even follow spoilers because. Liz's announcement, like Liz's departure, like you said, was announced in the in this country and everywhere. And there were soap magazines, you know, covers of her, sort of parading Liz around and saying, you know, she's this icon of Coronation Street and she's leaving the show. What's going to happen? And there's speculation and like Emma Cloud was saying she's going to leave under. What did she say? Um, Ian McLeod said that she's going to have a big ex- she's going to have a big exit, befitting of the character. She's going to do some kind of heroic act that's going to save. You know, it's gonna to help bring Steve and Tracy together, or, or or something. She's gonna prove herself, and then she's gonna go out with a with a fanfares behind her, or something. Yeah, he was basically like saying, "We know she's an icon. She's gonna leave like one." Yeah, and I can't she's... even remember what the last thing Liz did was. I should have looked it up, really. But I I'm annoyed, really, because when he when I read that, because you you told me about it because normally I don't see any of this stuff but you sometimes you'll say oh no I won't tell you and I'm like what what tell me now so um I get out um so I was like what on earth could it be what can the story be and I couldn't even imagine so now I'll never know what could it be that she could do to bring to bring those two together that would mean that she had to leave I don't understand how that the would thing work. is Tracy and Steve are kind of alright at the moment I mean I I could kind of imagine that what's going on with Ollie would split or is, is causing a strain on Tracy and Steve's relationship I mean it looked like they were heading south at the beginning of the year when Tracy ended up in or waking up in Paula's bed but yeah there hasn't I, I just imagine it's something to do with this Ollie storyline, but yeah, I we'll, don't we'll know, never know. But she is gone, and, and and Liz McDonald has done a Sylvia Goodwin and disappeared at a time when family could really do with um, a, a, an older maternal influence. And we can only assume that that stuff was planned and it it couldn't happen because of COVID. Mm. And that's all we can really say it, about it's, it. It's a shame because it makes Liz look really bad, just like it made Sylvia look bad when she disappeared the minute that Hayley was diagnosed with panti- pancreatic cancer. Not pansiatic cancer. <laughs> Pants in the attic as soon, cancer. As soon as your grandchild has been told that they've got a life-limiting illness, go, I'm going off to Spain, man. I'm going to Can't Spain. Can't cope with this. Because I really like coronavirus. Yeah, and, and again, you know it's not, you know, it's, it's just the circumstances off-screen that have led to this happening. But for, for one reason or another, Bev hasn't been able to come back post-lockdown to um, to film any final scenes. So we're just left with an unsatisfactory ending. But 
Like you said, and I'm not sure that we can bank on this as, as a fact. Oh, no. But I'm, I'm not as sore about it as I would be with another character because she has gone and come back so many times. Yeah. And she also was hardly in they it. They call her Liz Boomerang McDonald. <laughs> Do they? <laughs> but she was hardly in it, like, in the last few months. She's, she's had very little to do the last year or so. So have many people, though. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Um, and, and obviously she's had um, issues with depression and, and whatever off screen, which is meant she's had to have periods off. But it's, it's, it's a shame because she's an icon and they're going to have their icons programmed dedicated to her in like three or four weeks it's or so, aren't mad. they? Which would be odd. And I wonder whether that's when it's going to be officially, officially announced because it hasn't been officially, officially announced yet. All we can say that has been re- announced in the press is, well, it was rumoured a few weeks ago, wasn't it, that Beth filmed her final scenes. And then this week when Steve said, oh, she's in Spain... Um, apparently Digital Spy reached out to Coronation Street and then a source or somebody said, yep, she's she's gone. So I feel, I feel bad feeling it's like a spoiler that we're breaking, but... I well, no, it's not fair on everybody to watch, who listens to this, who expects to know what's going on in the show, for us to pretend that she's coming back when we know that she isn't. Mm. And there's there's, a... there's certain other things that might happen in the future... Where we might have to tell you something that might not necessarily be apparent, but you could have inferred. I I, I know something exactly that we could say, but we won't. And but that we don't need to say it at the moment. No, exactly. Because that particular thing isn't necessarily but there going you go. to that's come up. A bit, I think that's a bit of intrigue for people there who are spoiler free. Yeah. Because but you this know what? will come up because we'll, we'll be know... saying why isn't Liz in this massive McDonald's storyline? We all need a bit of mystery and intrigue in our lives, don't we? It's a bit like when uh, Doctor Matt left as well, to. isn't it? Because the actor, it was announced that the actor had left and filmed his final scenes, and they obviously never said. I oh, know they did say Dr. Ramsden's left, didn't they? But it wasn't a big thing because he wasn't a big character. And I feel, anyway. I'm, I'm sorry for anyone that feels that that's a spoiler. I don't think it is a spoiler because they said Liz is, Liz is in Spain. There's going to be another one next they week brought as well. It up. They brought it up. We wouldn't have said anything, but they brought it up. Yeah. We talk is. about things. We've said this before. The same rule applies to our Facebook group. We may discuss things that have appeared on air, on the show, nothing else. No. And that's what we're doing. And the rule is different for us for Twitter and um, yeah, with Twitter we're a bit more spoiler. If you if you if you don't like spoilers, don't follow us on Twitter. Yeah, we got oh we got a six thousand Twitter follower this week. Yeah, we, we did. Thanks everybody. Right, so Liz is gone. Dev's got a beard. We'll move on to Abby's stuff. And I said to you, this is, and you didn't agree with me, that Abby has decided that she does want to say goodbye to the siblings. No, I missed that. And she says. Um, don't mess up again and she goes I won't basically doesn't she try and get Seb to get in touch with the social services to arrange this uh, this meeting yeah and the other story was that Mary is mad as you all know and she's blathering on about balcony singing again Somebody in the writers' room absolutely adored the Italian singing opera from the balcony. That feels as as much as a lot of Coronation Street feels very modern and you know in touch with what's going on in the world at the moment. The balcony singing feels just a little bit. Ooh, I tell you, you missed what, your mark there. That that happened a bit too long ago now. There are certain things that happened right at the beginning of lockdown that now seem like they happened ten years ago. Yeah, balcony singing is one of them, and the other thing that occurred to me the other day is Tiger King. Do you remember how obsessed everybody in the world was about that? And now it's like, who? What? <laughs> anyway, um, Mary is mad. She likes balcony singing. And she also was trying to cheer up Sean by giving, trying to 
offload this. I don't know if he actually accepted it as a gift. A knitted poncho that she, uh, like a fleece, that she has had bespoke made for her, covered in pictures of Ben Shepherd. I assume that she's got this off something like, you know, Redbubble or Cafe Press, where you can... You know, upload a picture and then whatever your pictures of it will it will splatter it all over it. But yeah, so this is our little uh, brief moment of comedy on Friday amongst all the angst that's going on with uh, Sally and and Gary and, and Vanessa and Gemma and everything. Saying isn't isn't it funny that Mary's got a a poncho with his face on? And I think this is one of those things that if you were really into Ben Shepherd and you watch Ben Shepherd a lot, you probably would find this funny. But I didn't. I thought it was kind of funny, but also a bit weird. And also, I think we should do some merchandise where we sell... Um, I mean, um, Adam Bleese did a Photoshop version of Sally and Matthew's face. No, I don't think he made it. I think oh, he, 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 somebody okay. else made it. And he, he, he retweeted, he retweeted it. it. Yeah. Um, but it in case you're not face. from the UK, or you are from the UK and you don't know who this is, because there are a few different um, Ben Shepherds who are famous, but this is television presenter Ben Shepherd, who is famously baby-faced man... But he is 45 years old. Wow, I think he's... Yeah, exactly. He used to present GMTV, which doesn't exist anymore. But he's also presented The Krypton Factor, which is what that guy... Chris Quinton. He was in The Krypton Factor. Tipping Point and Ninja Warrior UK. I think Tipping Point is what he does at the moment. Is it? Did he do Good Morning Britain in the moment? I don't know. But he's just one of these friendly um, TV presenters that everyone would be happy to take home to their mum. He's kind of like... Like a baby Philip Schofield. Yeah. Where it's like, he's got a wife, has he? Mm. That kind of thing. Well, part of his appeal is like, he's, he's ambiguous. He, he's, he's, he's camp. Like, it's not camp, he, but you know, he's like. He's very unthreatening. Yes, exactly. He's unthreatening. Yeah, and, and that's obviously Mary's. Mary's Mary type. loves it. Yeah, somebody to conquer. So I, I, I didn't find it particularly hilarious, but. I, I, I found just, it really annoying really when she put put that on her shoulders and she wouldn't the, the hood wouldn't go on her head. Hmm. See, I see, but sometimes I go off a bloody rant again. Sometimes I can see one screenshot from a storyline <laughs> and I think right, I know what, and then I can watch the watch the storyline. Think I, I got all of that from the screenshot, and I know there was only what, literally one scene of that, but I saw a screenshot of Mary with the Ben Shepherd blanket beforehand. And I don't think I got much more out of the scene than I wouldn't have guessed for myself, you know? It was the same a yeah. bit with the, where, that I was moaning about the socially distanced stunt a few weeks ago with the car crash. It's like, I've seen one picture of that and I didn't get much more out of it. Sorry, I'm in a, I'm a bit of a ranty mood today. That's not even a good rant. No, that's no, as best as I can do. Do you want me to have a go? It is an, I think that energy drink's worn off a little bit now, but no. So don't that, have another one? No. What are we rating this week, Curry? We've talked about this for the longest. We've talked about Curry for a while, I feel, possibly. I don't know. Um, what are we giving it? Right. Before we go any further, I just want to talk again about Gemma. Go right? for it, Gemma. I said to you when I was watching this that I think that Dolly Rose Campbell has, has lost how to perform Gemma. And I know that's a really mean thing to say, the character isn't the same as she was. But but she is she's they've had they've thrown so many things at her that don't make sense for her character that I don't know how anyone would be able to stay true to what Gemma what people liked about her and, and maintain that 
given all of the stupid stuff that they've had her do. And I think Dolly Rose Campbell is a, such a talented actress and really fabulous, and she won our hearts. So how did she manage to do it? She was fantastic, right? She came in as a sidekick to a drug dealer, as, like, as a disposable chav sidekick, and she managed to translate that into becoming one of Coronation Street's funniest, most beloved female characters in a very, very short space of time. And she did that herself with her charisma and her, and her talent. She was, she was sparky and spunky and She was. She had... Charming. Yes, you're right. She had and something. Tough. She had something about her, but they've completely lost it. They've just... It's just and, baby brains And it's now, not fair on, on, on the actress that what they've done to the, this character. And it makes me really sad... And I really, really hope that they can do something to revitalise it because they have just... I don't know how she would know how to, how to perform this character now because what it, what is she anymore? Like you said, she's just basically... And it also, I think it's bad... It, it's, it kind of feels a bit insulting to mums as well because I see, I see it all the time with people I know. When you become a mother, it becomes all, you know, part of everything that you are. But at the same time, I see a lot of women struggle... About against the label of like I'm just a mum now. Is that all I am? But that's what they've done to Gemma. You you pointed out when we were watching some of the eighties, Corey, that when that yeah. Gail's being a mum at the moment, isn't yeah. she? To to Nikki and it, and it uh, Deirdre did the same thing when she had Tracy. Yeah, and and they feel like they they haven't the characters haven't been compromised. They haven't, and it, instead of it being like a battle or a or um. I don't know, it, fe- it feels really genuine and interesting and, and seeing the, these women kind of accommodate this change in their lives. Yeah, it's tough, but they're, like, they're putting up with it. But and... they do it with, like, grace and dignity and it feels very normal and and human. Mm. But what they've done with Gemma is just so perversely weird and extreme that it's a struggle to, to sympathise with her and... And what they give her to do, this vlogging stuff, mm. I'm so sad for the character. I think if, if Callum could see her now, he'd be spinning in his Granny Annex manhole, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> what we... be like, what's this? <laughs> what's this rumbling under Ooh, the floor? Um, what are we giving this week's episodes then? It's... <sighs> hmm. Okay, I'm, I hated, hated, hated... The Gemma stuff. I I thought that the the Gary stuff. I kind of liked it. I thought that the the sausage was funny. Was funny. Um, I know I shouldn't have thought that was funny, according to some people. But I've got. Other I never said loved it. I never said I had a good taste in anything. Although no, there were there were definitely stories online of Coronation Street fans in hysterics over this scene. It wasn't it wasn't Gemma with mashed peas. I'm gonna say right. That. Go on. Give I us don't a know. Score. Like. I really want to penalise it because of that really rubbish scene. That was the worst scene I've ever seen in, on television. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it. But I don't want to disparage everybody else's efforts. And it also, I really hate crapping on people who are doing really hard, really hard work. I don't know how. I don't know how I would, you know... Okay, so my summary of the week it. is the, the Gary Maria stuff was probably the most interesting, but there was a few too, contr- too many contrived situations there. The Yasmin, it feels like it's treading water a little bit and, and it's missing Yasmin from the story. 
the, the Chesney getting caught in the buff, I didn't particularly like, but I did enjoy the video chat. Um, Ollie uh, Wobbles, oh. I didn't particularly like the sausage, but some of the fostering stuff was nice. Abby was okay, but there wasn't much to it. Mary didn't really go for it. I'm going to go for a two. Yes, that's right. I'm going to go for a two vegan conspiracies out of five this week. I was going to give it. it two vegan conspiracies. Well, you but can't. I, have to it. I just wanted to say, I hated the Gemma storyline. I've said this about a thousand times already, but... Bernie was really fantastic. I really liked that. And I also really did appreciate the fact that even though I thought the circumstances were ridiculous, that they had the video chat with um, Vanessa and Gemma. I thought that was very suitable and sensible yeah. way of, of doing something that was um, that worked with, with the circumstances they need to work under, but also made sense for the world that we live in now. Yeah. And I really, really wish they had handled this vlogging storyline better and had more respect for what vlogging is and and why people like it because I think this that's an interesting idea really interesting idea love to love to see it explored properly but I think that they've ham-fisted this to the point at which they should just throw it in the bin Who is, along with cheese balls so for dessert are you, are you what are you going to score it I'm going to score it two um tensils yeah. Not tendrils. I was going to give it to you before you said to because I well, can't. Both have grown up. I can't oh, sanction it. Group thing. My character week this week. I'm, I'm going to give this to Bernie. I thought you would. Yeah, and you because Jane why. Hazelgrove. How, you know, in in the, in a in one of the stupidest plots in Coronation Street currently. Heroic effort. Mm. I'm going to give it to uh, Sarah Lou. I know that she's a daft bint sometimes <gasps> and she can't keep a secret to save her life. Slander. But Tina O'Brien's has put on a great performance and I'm interested to see what Sarah Louise is doing. I, I wanna, I'm, I, really, I'm interested in what's I, she going to do next. Who's she going to spill what to next? <laughs> is she gonna, what's she going to lie about unsuccessfully? Yeah, how's she going to fail at keeping this watch a secret from somebody else now? I really I, like. I, I really thought her. that the, the Gary stuff was, was pretty f- interesting to me this week. I just, um, again, a lot of the stuff that Coronation Street is doing heroic work in some sectors of, of this... But they're building it. They're building like these fantastic castles, but they're doing it on sand. Mm. You know what I'm saying? If this, if they had worked harder on on why we should care about Gary and Maria getting married, yeah, this would be fantastically compelling. Mm. This is well, a really inter- with... this is the bones of a really interesting plot. But I where's think... the flesh? The, I, I think the people who enjoyed the Sarah and Gary relationship more than we did are probably more invested yeah, here. And there were an awful lot of people who at the time last year were saying, yeah, Gary and Sarah, they're a great couple together. And I just couldn't feel it. <laughs> I, okay. I, I don't know who I want Sarah to end up with, but Gary just didn't feel right. I didn't feel the spark that everybody else did. And yeah, maybe if I did, I'd be like, Gary, don't marry Maria. Go back to Sarah, your one true love. And I'm what kind of it? half buying that he... Is too old? I don't know. I'm kind of half buying that he, he loves her. But at the end of the day, next week, I think, I think the wedding probably won't happen. But I'm not too fussed either way. The trouble is they've put the time in, haven't they? They've put time into but, this. Yeah. But it hasn't translated to me as feeling anything. Mm. I don't mm. know. I don't, that, that's enough moaning. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Maybe next week. I mean, we're going to get some kind of explosive episode on Monday, I hope. So you never know what's going to happen. Maybe we'll have Abby's stuff as well. We're going to watch it. We are going to watch it at home. Yeah, that'd be good. Right, as I said, we're not going to do a cabin this week, um, but there is some news to come, some spoilerific news that's going to come after the feedback. Speaking of feedback, here it comes right now. 
Okay, it's feedback time on some feedback. Thank you for everybody who's emailed us and messaged us and tweeted us and whatever this week. We had a, a, a massive influx of emails coming out. I think it was mostly on our way back from Blackpool last night, didn't we? Yeah, thank oh, you, everybody. Everyone's decided to email us there. So we're going to be including some of those. Um, but first, we've got the average score for last week's Coronation Street, which got 3.44 on average on our Facebook group. So, so weak. Um, Darren gave it three coughing women. How dare she? Shauna gave it three SIM cards down the drain. And Robin was my favourite of the week. He gave it four threatening broomsticks. Yeah. And we got our usual feedback from Rebecca, who um, part of what she was saying was that she gave the character of the week to Sally. um, And she also gives the show for last week three one, two, two, fours out of five. One, two, four, four. No, No, it is one, two, two, four, isn't it? That's what it was. Yeah, because it's Izzy, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, because she said it was a podcast reference, but she thought it was funny. And Nancy gave it three nightcaps, and her character of the week was also Sally. And another um, regular feedback person, <laughs> provider, we had um, Fangirl Overload. She scored this week's two and a half sausage sandwiches out of five, but her character was Leanne. So yes. that's interesting. Yeah, so sorry we've not read out the whole of your bits this week, but we've got, we've got a load of other ones that we, we, uh, we want to read out as well. So spoiled for feedback. Jay says, forgive me if this has already happened in your Corrie timeline, but as I was driving and listening to your podcast, I had a plotline epiphany. I said this out loud when I saw her bruised arm. Toya and Imran will foster Kelly. That will give the writers teenage angst and tears. I hate that idea. Thanks, Jay. (laughs) Why do you hate that idea? You're just not into Kelly? I don't like Kelly. I don't like Kelly or Laura. I'm not. I'm not fussed with Kelly or Laura. I, do, I definitely think that that could happen. That's a really good idea, Jay. But I just the thought of it happening fills me with dread. I think it would be odd and again convenient. And oh, what's the chances of that? That the person who um, who's who we're fostering is the daughter of the guy who <laughs> was killed by the person that dropped a factory roof on my head. And you, you know, oh, my sister's head. Sorry, not my head. <laughs> You know, it's one of those things which was, could be a very good reason why it could happen. Yeah. They'd be like, the foster people would be like, you guys got a connection. Yeah. You hate Gary, don't you? Yeah, you hate Gary too. Put them together. Amazing. Yeah. It's like a match made in Well, heaven. I think Jay's... Maybe. I mean, Jay people, might be along... Some people have been really, really keen on, on Kelly and keeping her in the show. I haven't seen enough of her to say, yes, I'd love to see her, see more of her. But it, it seems... It, 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 at times it seemed like they are investing in that particular character, so... You Who never knows? know, you never right. know. Julie says, well, she wants to say, loves our podcast, it got me through many a boring work day, it can never be too long. Oh, good. That's handy to know. She says, I'm also enjoying our trip to Manchester, I've watched Corrie forever, so it's great to see some of the sites that have been used. On the subject of Tim's birth certificate, there are two types of birth certificate. Stop it! Sorry, I just was having a bit of water. Two types of birth certificate, the short version, which contains only the baby's details, and the full version, which also contains the parents' details. So maybe Tim has just seen the short one. He, yeah, very well. I knew that there were two different types. I, don't, I can't say I knew the difference between them. I'm, I'm not a birth certificate expert. But even so, even so, if he's just got the short one and he wants to know who his mum is, why can't he say, Dad, can I have a look at the long one, please? Because... No, because I think that that would be a bit of a breach of trust. Awesome. That would be Tim admitting to himself. Okay, I Sally think, saying, listen, come on then, Jeff, let's yeah, see I the birth I, I think that somebody should say it, but I, I can see why Tim doesn't want to, because it's the same reason that you, you mm. know, when you put that Schrodinger's cat in a box and you 
run yeah. over with your car, you don't want to look inside, do you? Because the su- cat could still be alive as long as you don't open the, <laughs> open the lid. I suppose if, if Sally did say, come on then, Tim, let's see the birth certificate, then he could say, I've only got the short one, the lost one. I, I lost the original one. Oh, so I don't sad. know how or, to get the other or one. Or that cow Tessa took it to her grave. I, I, I don't know. If it, yeah. Maybe it will come. Nicole has also emailed us this week and says, Hi guys, I haven't written in ages. I just finished watching the episode where Yasmin gets a visit from Elaine, one of Jeff's exes. I'm assuming she is Tim's mum. You assume right. You'll know by the time you listen to this. I wish Yasmin had played along with Jeff so he would drop the charges and she could be freed. But of course, that would be less drama. I like how Corey is having Yasmin go back and forth between believing she is in an abusive relationship and wanting to believe Jeff and go back to him. So realistic. But it looks now that she has finally accepted the coercive control that she's been under. We, I don't know whether we talked about it much on the podcast, but we, we did get our, um, a legal expert contacting us to say that Jeff can't... It's not simply a case of Jeff dropping the charges, is it? You, because you said a legal expert. Our legal expert. Our legal expert. Yeah. Because he is... It's not... Jeff that's bringing charges, it's the Crown. It's the yes. Crown versus Yasmin And Jeff Beckhoff. is not the victim, apparently. He's a witness to a crime against himself. committed himself. against the Queen. Yes. So, yeah, unfortunately, you can't. Thank you very much, Legal Eagle. You know who you are. So, I've been all mixed up with the syncing the shows with the podcast. On Canada Week, we only had two episodes, which means since then, the podcast syncs with the episodes, which is shown at the beginning of the week instead of the end. Why are they punishing this you on so Canada confusing. Week? So, uh, do, we, do we need to write to CBC? Yeah. I think we do. Somebody we'll send do us it, it, you it. it. So, I ended up missing one of your episodes, and I'm now catching up. Still one behind, oh, though. No. But I enjoyed some of your extra episodes. They are great. See, this is handy, see. This is why we have them. Yes, yes, yeah. so people can out of order. I'm starting to see some of the post-lockdown episodes now. It's weird seeing everyone standing so far apart from each other. I think some of the stories will be affected. Oh, yes. How, with what all that was going on with Ollie, will there, be, will there not be some hugging, hand-holding, etc.? And how will Gary be threatening if he's staying two metres away? Words, that's how, Nicole. Knock you down with a... With a Blanche-like that. remark. Yeah. Won't Alia want to give her gran a hug when she's released from prison? I guess it will all be written as happening off screen. It'll be interesting for sure. <laughs> Can you just imagine Alia and Yasmin at home having a cup of tea going, wasn't that a lovely hug that we had earlier? Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah that was the best hug I've ever had. Really? Do you know what? Squeeze I, think there. I think if I had seen that from afar, I would really appreciate the depth of emotion that we both felt in that moment. <laughs> Don't you? Yes, I do, gran. One sugar or two. <laughs> um, that's at least one good thing, Nicole says. We will be spared some of those cringeworthy scenes from the past, like Dev and Deirdre in bed together. Yes! Do you know what? I hadn't even thought of that. No, I hate those totals, creepy, scenes. Those creepy, and also no more snogging. I hate it. Brilliant. Mm. We're still seeing some um, some male nipples, though, that we're usually treated to in those scenes. Poor we Sam Aston. I have to say, Sam Aston is a trooper. Yes. Let's move on. Generally, I'm enjoying Corey. I'm not minding the fewer episodes per week schedule. There seems to be more incidental scenes that don't provide much plot development, and I like that. The acting's been brilliant, and some of the technical stuff, like the split screens and the scene with Leanne running down the street, has been interesting. CBC is also airing the clip shows, and they are always fun to watch. Hope you guys are doing okay. Fine, thank you very much. I'm really looking forward to watching your trip to Manchester. That will be a weekend treat for me. Oh, I hope you've enjoyed it, Nicole, because we've got the two episodes that are up there now. Even though this one's coming out late, you've been able to watch the rest of episode 431 for a few days now. Lucky you. Watch and listen. Watch, honestly, watch it. If you're only listening to it, please watch it. I put so much effort into the editing of it. Oh, yes, And I'm learning new skills and everything. It's great. You put that on your CV. Right, Janny? 
I don't know whether it's Janny or Yanni. I'm going to go for Yanni. Right. But sorry if it's wrong. Um, short message only. The absolute highlight of this week for, of Corrie was Adam Barlow saying murder. Murder. I might have pressed the repeat button once or twice. Actually, somebody should really make a loop of him saying murder. For hours, I bet it would get a good amount of hits. Adam is one of my favourite characters on the show and I'm really glad Samuel's finally got good material to work with and I have to say, he has been great this week. Really enjoying his cockfight with Gary and if Barlow's darker side comes back in the weeks to come, even better. I also remember Adam and Todd working together and being mates. I thought that said being males. And the rest of the email we can't read out because it's got spoilers in it. So <laughs> thank you very much for your email. But just remember, just remember that. if you write to us about something that's going to happen, number one, we might not know. Yeah, don't and number two, No, it's fine. No, it's fine. But number two, we won't be able to read it out because of... Um, we might be able to read it out in a bit in the cabinet. We might read this bit out, yeah, later on. Thank Alan, you very much. Alan says... I think I've figured out the only... Oh, I love this one. I think I've figured out the only realistic way the Yasmin story could end. And I thought I'd share it with you and your listeners. Go on. Buckle in, Gemma. Yeah. After Emily Bishop left the street and came back from Peru, she took a course on computers in the hopes of staying in touch with her old friends. One evening, when trying to FaceTime <laughs> Rita, she accidentally hacks into every camera on the street. Yeah. At first, she was frightened by what she'd done. But because she was lonely and missed the old street, she decided <laughs> to keep the camera feeds open. <laughs> To begin with, she just kept an eye on her old friends coming and goings. Then one night, Rita was telling her about Yasmin's court case tomorrow. Since they hadn't known each other long, Emily hadn't really taken an interest in looking over Yasmin. Emily got to the computer and browsed through the various CCTV and camera feeds she'd hacked into. (laughs) She noticed a feed coming from inside number six. Curious. Although the feed was no longer active... Emily used her technical know-how to trace all the footage that had been filmed on the device. She skimmed through the footage and found every evil thing Jeff had done to Yasmin. Disgusted, she put a plan together. Day of the trial. Jeff is in the middle of his act, crying about how women had wronged him all his life (laughs) and how all he ever wanted was to be a magician. (laughs) Suddenly, static noise comes through the speaker system and our very own Emily Bishop appears on the courtroom screens. The Lord detests lying lips, Mr Metcalf, she proclaims before streaming the footage of the abuse into the courtroom. At last, everyone can see the truth. Except for Tim, who insists the footage was deep fake and none of it took place. (laughs) And eventually everyone cheers as the judge explains that due to these exceptional circumstances, Jeff will be sent straight to prison (laughs) without trial and Yasmin shall be freed instantly. Yasmin turns to the screen. But Emily, how can I ever repay you? Your smile is all the thanks I need, Emily explains before her image disappears. Oh my god. As everyone heads back to the street to celebrate at a socially distant space, Emily walks to the kitchen to make herself a cup of tea. <laughs> she might even give herself an extra biscuit as a congratulations for a job well done. She suddenly hears a bing from her computer. She looks at her email and smiles. Marvellous. The one million pounds she had just hacked from the Royal Bank of England was just successfully transferred to her <laughs> offshore account. She looks over at a framed photo of her and Ernest. Today was a good day altogether, wasn't it? The end. Thank you and you're welcome. That was amazing. I love that so much. I oh enjoyed that. Do you know what? If I was, like I said before, there are many things I would do if I was an eccentric lottery winner, but I think making, somehow trying to make this happen on screen would be one of my life's goals. I thought that was absolutely fantastic, Alan. <laughs> I enjoyed that immensely. I enjoyed reading it. I enjoyed reading it. Very, I enjoyed performing it. You did a great job of reading that. I'm glad you read that. More of those, please. I would, yeah. I would happily read out more, more little mini fan fictions on our... That was uh, the best one I've ever read. 
Well done. Finally, Gemma, we've got an email from Shauna. Yep. She um, says, I have been meaning to email you for a while now to say thank you for your wonderful podcast. I've been commuting into London all through the pandemic and your podcast has been such a comfort to me. I always save it for my Monday morning commute as a treat to help distract me from the anxiety that getting on a train at the moment causes. I'm getting back into Korea again after a few years break and I'm loving having your podcast to help me understand some of the nuances I missed in my time away from the soap. The bonus episodes are fantastic, particularly love the character profiles. Good. Thank you. Thanks a million. You are welcome. Yeah, that was lovely. I put that one at the end because I thought, you know, end it on a nice, you know, satisfying, um, lovely hi. What a trooper Shauna is to be going in on the train to London all the way through this pandemic. As always, I said, and I, I, we obviously don't do it for the praise or anything like that, but it is nice when people talk about how we can... Other podcast helps them get through tough times. I know, times. that's still like the most unexpected thing about this podcast, I think, is that I didn't realise that people would, would care about it. Mm. I'm yeah, really and, happy. And like with, the, with the Manchester trip stuff as well, you pointed out about people who are enjoying watching it and that some, maybe they're not able to go on holiday this year and, you know, it's only Manchester. It's, only, it's not like we're, you know, in the Costa del Sol or anything like that, but yeah. it's, it's real and it's, it's a holiday in a... Well, I'm. I'm just I'm always. People are enjoying it with us. Feel really lucky and grateful because, honestly, I don't know what I what I'm here for on this planet, but I do know that I like to make people happy and smile and laugh, and the fact that we can do this every week is just the fav- my favorite thing. Ah, yeah, lovely. Thanks, everybody. And on that, we will end this podcast. Oh, yet. No, yeah. we won't. Uh, there's a cover coming up. Right, thought we so wouldn't talk about it, didn't you? Yeah, so be careful because we are going to talk about something that is a spoiler. Um, if you've been on social media, you've probably seen it already, but if you don't you want to know spoilers, what we're going to talk about, please avoid listening to this. And if you're going to leave us now, um, don't forget, you can email us at conversationstreet at gmail. You can find us at conversationstreet.podbean.com. You can leave us our reviews on iTunes. Oh, we've got a one, we've got but a we new can't review read this it out. Week. We've, we've got to copy and paste it. We can't read it out because we really are running out of time. We're going out for dinner later this afternoon. We've got afternoon. to pack before we leave for dinner and we've only got an hour. So, um, you can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, and Patreon, and we're going to do the Cabin Extra now. Also, the Patreon episode, we're probably due to have it at the moment, but we maybe in a week's time we'll have to see. We've been very we're busy gonna on holiday, We're going to do it as soon as, as we can. You know. No, we're grateful for everybody. Thank you very much. So, cabin Extra. Cabin Extra. Spoiler, 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 turn it off, spoiler. Is coming back. No, what? Todd Grimshaw is returning from the forests. Yes. Everybody. And I assume he's going to have a Bigfoot child with him. I think he needs to have a massive dev beard or, or better. He needs Maybe to that's have why they made dev toenails beard. poking out of his shoes. He needs to be, you know, coated in mud so nobody can tell that it's a changed actor. <laughs> yes, it is, he is not being played by... Bruno Langley. Bruno Langley, because Bruno Langley was fired. No, instead we are having a new actor who is called Gareth Pierce. Yes. He um, is Welshman. He, he is a Welshman. And, and, um, he... and I, I'm wondering, I mean, it, people have wondered like what that's going to mean for his accent. But if you go over to monstervoicecardiff.co.uk and do a search for Gareth Pierce, you can listen to some of his voice clips that he's done for, I don't know whether they're auditions for adverts or they've been actual adverts or whatever, but he's got quite a vocal range, hasn't he? So I don't think people need to worry about um, Bruno, Honestly, about Todd coming back and him this... sounding like he's just, you know, spent three years in the valleys. Although maybe he has. From the sound of it, he could do whatever voice he wanted. Yeah, he seems pretty versatile. I mean, I, I, I got his... Um, th- this is what it says on that, on that voice website about him. He says 30s. 
clear, creative, and clever. Gareth is a very experienced and versatile bilingual voice artist who has been used to a voice of, who's been used to voice a wide and diverse range of projects from documentaries, audiobooks, commercial radio campaigns, promos, educational websites, and heritage sites. Wow. He was the narrator for the hugely popular Doctor Who Doctor Revisited, Doctor Who Tales from the TARDIS, and Doctor Who Explained series, and is regularly heard in BBC4 radio dramas. He's doing the arches as well at the moment, I think, isn't he? Yeah, he's also been in Ordinary Lies in 2016. 2013, uh, what? The, no, uh, yeah, that was, the Stella, that was, I think that was a Sky One thing in the, about seven or eight years ago, and then this pro- programme, I assume, which is a Welsh programme called 35 Dear Nod. <laughs> Sorry for our Welsh because I don't know. I don't quite got my hand around that. I think, honestly, I think the Welsh kind of like the fact that we don't know how to say a lot because it makes us makes look them, like idiots. Makes them feel it? clever. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, new Todd. It's it's not a surprise. And, and as was probably expected, when this news broke, when was it? Monday morning, I think. There was a whole load of people saying, well, that's great. But uh, also a huge number of people saying, no, this is rubbish. This isn't Bruno. Why can't Bruno come back? I mean, I think we all know the circumstances under which Bruno was fired what, three years ago now. And Sounds I don't think like it was longer. I don't think Coronation Street could. And then they, there has been flack, like I said, levelled at them for not hiring Bruno back. But there would have been a heck of a lot more, I think, if they had said. People who no, criticised. He served his time he's taken his punishment we're going to accept him back people who criticize coronation street for not rehiring bruno langley do not understand what the circumstances the circumstances they're talking about and the political world that we're living in it mm. would be they might as well just turn the show off yeah the, the ramifications it, it, and that's it, even before honestly that's even before you add in your own personal judgment about what it was that he did and whether or not blah 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 even if you, you know, but that's before you take that into consideration. Just on the face of it, the bad PR alone. We're not going to talk about this anymore. We're going to talk about Gareth Pierce. Well, I would like to say, though, still... Oh, fine. I, we're not saying that Bruno Langley was a terrible actor or anything. I, I, wish, this, I wish none of this had happened because well, when, when Todd was in the show before, he was one of the most compelling characters and I thought that Bruno Langley did an amazing job at making a really intriguing, deep character but i completely understand that he cannot come back to this at the moment and i have also well, said ever. yeah i don't think he will i don't think we will ever see he said at the moment but i'm saying oh ever. yeah yeah sorry yeah but um and i've also talked a lot on the podcast before about how i will never accept a recast of Tom. <laughs> well we'll we'll have to see won't we i said the same thing and then i slowly talked myself around and i don't know whether the universe was sort of guiding my soul to to make peace with this before it became announced because I'm fine with this. I think it's because of us looking back on Corrie and talking about recasts and everything and I just kind of went, actually, they do this a lot more than I gave them credit for. And it rarely, rarely happens with an adult actor. Most mm. of the time they will get recasts is when a character comes from a baby to a child and then from a child to, to, to sort of well, child to teen through and then that point then when they decide if they're going to go on to further education or... Yeah, it's either done then or it's done when it's been a minor character that comes back to be a bit major or comes back to still be minor. The main characters that I can think of that have been major characters that have been, you know, quite well established in their own role, in the old roles, were when um, Dawn Acton left and was replaced with Kate Ford. Well, look how well that's turned out. And also um, the, the the Knicks. So Warren Jackson had been Nick since he was born. When they changed him to Adam Rickett, that was a massive change. It was a bit odd, but people got used to it. Then when they replaced him with Ben Price, who doesn't look anything like Adam, 
and people thought, no, that that's not Nick. But I mean, I, 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 I he's my favourite incarnation of Nick for sure. Yeah. Um, well, so it, it, they can get it right. I Ryan, think, Ryan uh, Prescott playing Ryan Connor at the moment, brilliant. It's revolutionised the character. The, yeah. The, the only problem is that I, I don't think Todd needed revolutionising. This is the problem. This is the problem that Gareth is is taking on to his shoulders here. Is that um, Todd didn't leave the show because the character wasn't working or because of a plot reason or because he was being played by a bad actor or somebody who didn't fit the role. He was... Todd was in his prime when Bruno spectacularly screwed up. And now Gareth has got to take on this really um, well-established role... I don't think that I don't I don't really think that the people who think that Todd, that Bruno Langley should come back are worth worrying about because they obviously don't seem to understand the situation properly. So they don't. I'm being really rude about because I think it's I I I can't understand how anyone defends him unless that it's like it's like his mum has got multiple accounts on Twitter or something. <laughs> so those um, don't don't worry about those people. You don't have to worry about them. You're probably never going to impress them. But it's going to be a hard task to win everybody else over. Because, mm. again, you have to separate the, the art from film. the artist to a certain extent. And we, we do that with Todd and Bruno Langley on this show. Mm. No, in no way should you ever take anything we say about Todd or Bruno's acting to be a, um, a comment on his personality or his choices. Because mm. they're different. It, it's it's going to be it's big shoes to fill. Yep. Part of what made Todd great was Bruno's performance. I mean, it was he was he was a character. Can can Gareth tap into that? Will he need to? Because you can say, I mean, three years away, doing who knows what he's been doing. Honestly, we don't know what what Todd's supposed to have been up to. Apart from now he hasn't got any money. That's all we've been told. Um, he he could come back a different person. And Honestly, I think that probably would be the best approach to it. As long as they keep him smart, and the thing with Todd, he's really complex character because he he was he was a nice, you know, a bit of a Ben Shepherd of a character, wasn't he? Back when he was a, when he was younger, he's almost like a David in that he was a, a potentially an incredibly bland character that circumstances and performance managed to to come together. Like, like the storylines and, and, and the, the performance together made a, an interesting, compelling, believable and realistic person that still was incredibly sort of hyped up and sort of very theatrical, like nothing, like no one you'd know in real life, yet somehow incredibly believable. Mm. And both, both, um, both uh, David and Todd were very, very charismatic, but also... Dark, dark horses who were chaotic and unpredictable. Yeah, and, 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 mischievous. and Gareth Pierce needs to be able to, you know, hit the uh, well, ground running with that. If I think. they're going to put make that what Todd's personality is, because they could just go right. Gareth is going to make Todd into his own character. We're just going to see where this goes. We're going to introduce him, and then we're going to see what happens. But again, uh, what uh, I don't know what the point of that would be because we don't need Todd back. Yeah, it could. It might as well be you know Eileen's long lost nephew or something. Or we might just bring Jason back. 
Yeah, as, it, as a different exactly. actor. Exactly. But I mean, from what I've seen and heard of Gareth Pierce, I've never seen him in anything, but I've heard from some people seeing him and I can't remember what, said he did a good job. Um, people, no, they don't hire anyone who's but, just like publicly messed up. People on the inside, people on the inside have said, no, this, this guy is, is good. So, so I'm, I'm more confident than I would be and I'm glad they haven't just cast, you know, a random person then then they don't seem to be taking any chances with him and i know he's not they have hired a random person everyone's random what are you talking about you know they this, hired isn't, this, isn't his, act. this isn't his first acting job yeah but why would you, yeah of course but what they would never do that they coronation street have hired people to take their first role in coronation street before definitely what, to people, take on not to take on big roles so i'm not saying i'm glad that they didn't just right okay so let's take a chance on this fellow okay they've got somebody who's fellow. done some stuff I mean... Uh, and he can speak Welsh and French. Yeah, Which is exactly. what I want to get out of well, Todd Grimshaw. And, and back in 2006, he was named in the top 50 most eligible bachelors by Company Magazine. That's amazing. Was, I, I know. I don't, I don't that understand how that That was only 14 works. years ago. that was ago. before he'd even been in very much as well, so I don't know what's, what's going on What's going there. on with that? Don't ask me. What's don't Company me. Magazine? Is I it don't about even companies? Know. I don't even know. But yeah, he he'd done like a couple of TV shorts. Has he, he got? Has he it. picked up a girlfriend or boyfriend I in, do in not the time know. between, or are we still hoping that we? Uh... Mm. So I'm saying I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's got to do an awful, awful, awful lot to impress me and convince me that this is Todd. But tell you what, one thing is I don't think I care that he doesn't really look like Bruno. That's one of the least important things to me. Even if they got someone who looked really, really, really similar to Todd, in my head, my brain would still be screaming, that's not him, that's not him, this is somebody new. However, you, you know? Yeah. So he might do. as well look completely different. From, he doesn't look completely different. From, he's not got two well heads or anything. Hire a woman. <laughs> but I, I think after, if, if, he, if he does a good job, then hopefully within a few weeks I'll be like, Okay, that's Todd. Because, honestly, when I think back to Nick now, and Nick's the one, personally, for me, who um, is the epitome of done a good job to change, because I didn't really know much of Dawn Acton's Tracy, so Kate Ford has just always been Tracy for me, really. But I was definitely... You know, I lived through the Adam Rickett phase of Todd's life, yet I don't look at Nick now and say, that's not Nick. So... There's it, some, there it, is something to be said about the fact that these character recasts come with a bit of a personality change though you're gonna mm. have to accept this because that's one of the reasons why um ali neeson and what's yeah. face worked well because they just went scrap it everything that came before just forget about that mm. and it's like it's almost a bit like doctor who because oh, doctor who is the most famous example of, of where you take some uh, yeah. an actor and you change you change the actor but the character remains the same but fundamentally, every time the actor is changed on Doctor Who, the Doctor changes personality too. And I think that Coronation Street does that a little bit with its recasts, where they go, yes, this person is in the same position as the one before, and all the relationships are the same, the character history and backstory is all the same, but now this is their, this is the interpretation by Ben yeah. Price. And now we're going to have, this is the interpretation by Gareth Pierce, and this is his version of Bruno Lang, um, Bruno Lang, of Todd oh. Grimshaw. And I think that's the fairest way to approach this, the kindest way, and the way that's going to guarantee you are going to enjoy it more than you would have done if you're coming in resisting or expecting something. Because if Gareth Pierce's interpretation of Todd Grimshaw is a really brilliant, 
seamless impression of how Bruno Langley would have done it. That's great. I would love that. But equally, I'm not expecting that to happen. If he comes up with a different uh, approach that still works, I'll, I'll be fine with that. I just think we need to be open-minded about the fact that oh, no. Todd Grimshaw could be a very different character. Yeah. And I mean, you can justify it in the plot by saying he's been on the run. We, I don't, we still don't really know what the situation is. Where has he been? Why no. has he been away for three years? What we know so far is um, next week... Um, Sean and Mary are going to open a letter addressed to Eileen from Todd asking for money and then they're going to say well let's hunt down Todd and find out what happens to him and then he is going to appear in the show in October because Gareth started filming Friday last week I think um, and they're currently filming October in, in Media City so it's going to be a long hunt for Todd until he appears on the screen and now that's going to make things it could make things very difficult for us in the street talk segment of the podcast, couldn't it? Because We're just going to have to say when it becomes appropriate that we know that Todd's coming back because there really is no reason for them to be talking about his character. And we can't pretend we don't know. We, we can't go for two months saying, ooh, I wonder if Todd's going to come back because you're everyone who's listening. And I imagine, I, I think probably the majority of the listeners stay on for the cabin extra. We don't want to be pretending to you guys well, that we if, don't know that he's coming back. So we, we might... Like, we don't lie about things. No, we might have to treat this like a maternity situation where we're saying, yeah, we know he's going to come back, but we still wouldn't talk about this. If, if, if we know about them, we wouldn't talk about the circumstances that he's coming yeah, back. Yeah, I don't want to know any more about I don't want to know anything revealed. more about what's going to happen. I'm sure we'll find out more than we want to know because we can't seem to avoid spoilers. But I think we might just have to say on the podcast, yep, he's coming back. We can even not even say when it's going to happen. But I, I don't think we can. Depends pretend. on how they portray it and what they talk about. But we're going to have to see what this, next in week. In the same, in the same way that we couldn't say, "Oh, I wonder if Liz has left or not," when we know that Liz has left, and the Coronation Street is is just kind of throwing it at us and going, "You do what you want with that." Mm. It just puts us in an awkward position, and we'll do the best we can. But we hope that we don't mess up too too much. But you know, that's the least of the worries about what's going on with this character, how we're going to talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um if you want to find this uh the actor, he is uh, on Twitter and it's at and it's G A R and then it's Pierce spelt P I E R C E. Yeah, and he's Gareth Pierce. Fairly active on Twitter. I found him earlier this week. He followed us back. If you want I'm going to say this. If you want if you like Coronation Street, you want the show to do well and you want Gareth to be successful. Well, if you like the show, you want him to be successful. Support him on Twitter and be positive and, and don't, don't engage with negative people, don't, obviously. But don't at him and saying, you're not really tired. Just listen. You, you don't want to demoralise somebody before they've even started. It must have been tough for him on Monday. As much as he would have been told... There's going to be backlash about Everyone's this. Going to be He's got. I. I really hope it. he had a really thick skin on Monday, or he didn't even read those comments because there was a. For every celebratory post, there was an awful lot saying no. I don't need him back. So people just forget that that what they say doesn't just get flushed down the toilet like it does normally when they talk in their normal lives full of rubbish and negativity. <laughs> but it goes to people who hear it. That's why I hate it on the show when I say stuff about characters or like situations or stuff that it doesn't work i don't like ranting about it i know everyone thinks i do it is cathartic but you know or, or, i or try criticizing and, performance i try to do it thinking to myself if i was listening i i try to pretend that the person i'm talking about might be listening and i know it would be tough to hear most of what i say but i don't do it thoughtlessly is what i'm trying to say 
and it's really harsh a lot of the time, but I try not to say things I wouldn't say mm. to someone's face. I know you wouldn't say any of this to someone's <laughs> face, but I try to be fair. So, yeah, just be nice to him on Twitter because he's got a really hard job ahead of him and really having people's support would probably help. But you know what? He could end up with the last laugh, couldn't he? Because if he gets this right, he has got a job for life there if he wants it because the Grimshaws are a bit of a backbone on the street or they have been for the past 20 years. And if he wants to play Todd and he can capture what made the old Todd really compelling, he could be laughing all the way to the Well, to the a bank. lot is kind of riding on this as well because since Pat Phelan's gone, Eileen's role on the street has diminished incredibly. Yeah, and I like Eileen. And it, this could be the renaissance of Eileen's character. Well, Eileen... Billy's had very little to do. I mean, even, Summer's not turned up. Yeah. All of these characters that are, that are in that bubble um, could come back to the fore again. And, and, I, and I miss them. I miss their dynamics. Sean even. I was going to say Sean. I, and, and I like Sean and, and you quite like Sean, but I know a lot of people don't like Sean that much, but this could be a chance. I'm, I'm really, really interested to see what happens. Like, who's Todd going to go off with? I've still not really bought into the Paul and Billy relationship. So if Todd could go back to Billy... Does that mean Paul was Paul was Sean, or maybe not, or maybe Todd go? It, also, I'm, I'm I'm quite interested lot, yeah, to see the dynamics there. Yeah, there's a lot riding on this. There's a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we don't need to add to it. <laughs> and I think that's all we've got to say about <laughs> Gareth Pierce as Todd for now. And Good we, luck. We've come to the end of the episode. Yeah. Don't know when this is going to be uploaded. As I say, maybe it's Saturday, maybe it's Monday, but whatever day it is, hope you have a cracking one, and that we will be back next week for another Conversation Street. So until then, ta from her. Bye. ta from me. Bye. And the music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Bye.